Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 33. Hi, friends. This is the last time we ever have to talk about Neelix. That's, that's, that's true. How that's how I'm looking at this. <laughs> so, to start off, Al, any final thoughts on Neelix? Yeah, I didn't care for him either. I mean, if uh, if there's someone out there doing the, the transcription of, of this, which, by the way, if you are, maybe you could share that with us. That would be <laughs> useful. But uh, I, I'm not sure how to how to spell that. You're on your own there. Wet fart sound. Yeah. There we go. Got it. Nailed it. Just. Uh, uh. So who was worse, Neelix or Harry Kim? Let's let's Ooh. now that it's all done and behind us, let's, let's I, make that call. First. That's a toughie. I mean, it's not as difficult as fan versus uh, versus uh, 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 shovel. Shovel, but yeah. uh, ooh, I gotta go with Harry. Really? Just because I expect idiotic buffoonery from Neelix, you know? Yeah, I suppose so. Like you see that guy waddle up to you, and you're like, "Oh well, this is gonna be terrible." Whereas Harry Kim can just sort of side, like he looks like a normal person. That's how he gets you. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. You're like, oh, you're like, oh, here comes the Starfleet officer. I bet he's got something interesting to say to me. And then he just weeps uncontrollably for twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. No, I I can see that. I I disagree, but I you make a valid point. Mm-hmm. I think I I think Neelix is worse because to me attempted comedy is worse than like a failed character. Oh, like, you make a you make a completely valid point. Nobody it's wants like when, to see a clown in their science fiction. No, no, but the thing is, Unless you're I wouldn't mind space clown. I wouldn't mind seeing a successful clown, like a an actual comic relief character that worked. Mm-hmm. Such a thing does exist. Yeah, that th- this he said pointing at Neelix is not yeah. it though. No, it's definitely definitely not it. But like when you watch those mystery science theater movies where they're like, it's a like. It, it's they're trying to make a serious movie and they they fail in a comedic way. That's so much funnier to me than someone trying to be funny and not being funny. That's the, the, the Catalina caper guy that keeps falling into things. Yeah. Yeah. It's like attempted comedy. And maybe it's because I I write comedy and I perform comedy like I think about it a lot. And maybe it's just more offensive to me as a writer performer that to see someone abuse it so badly to see a character like Neelix who could mm. conceivably be funny and just isn't. Yeah, no, you make a valid point, but like, you know, here's Neelix. He's hilarious. That said, I don't know that there are any comedic, like comedy relief characters in Star Trek that I definitely liked. Hmm. I mean, I guess Bones, but Bones had so much more. I would not call Bones a comedy, a comic relief character. No, that was not his primary function, but often he would like, if you have a very tense scene, he'd be the one saying the sarcastic thing to relieve the tension. Mm -hmm. No, the comic relief character in the original series is Chekhov. Yeah, that I mean for in in primary uh, function, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think like, and this is one of the things that I liked about the Abrams movies. Like Bones can diffuse a scene. Yeah, you got a really tense thing happening. He'll be the one to say, "Well, goddamn, this is stupid," <laughs> and then everyone breathes for a minute. You know, like that's that's one of Bones. Jim, purposes. Jim, we're getting attacked by dumb crap again. Yeah. Oh, Bones. You crotchety old man. Yep. 
I mean, you know, even even the younger, sexier version of him is a crotchety old man. <laughs> All he's got left is his bones. <laughs> I had to leave my ex-wife behind. Uh-huh. I'm, really, th- I'm 33. I, I'm like 20, and I just got off the farm. <laughs> and you're talking about leaving your ex-wife behind. Let's Joining be best friends. Joining the French friends. Foreign Legion. What's that? Let's be best friends. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we got a lot of mail to answer. What, what we originally had intended was to answer the mail, and we'd actually been doing this, answer mm. the mail as we went. Uh, so that the supplemental could then be the the other thing that we're posting this week uh, yeah. with the gaffs. Um, but then the mail just kept on coming. Yeah, unfortunately, we are so fucking popular. I yeah, and I can't I can't complain. I mean, that said, we might not read every word of every email because there's a lot of it and there are a lot of words, uh-huh. and I'm the one who has to read them, and I don't want to. <laughs> but I'll try to get the salient points across. Um, there, there's one person here in particular, Matt, who appears to be a big fan of yours, uh, goes by the name of Puzzled Lobster. <laughs> okay, uh, then. Has written, has written three giant, uh, novel length, uh, emails to you. Ah. Also to me, but obviously mostly to you. <laughs> Dear Matt, and now I guess. Yeah, basically that's it. Well, we'll get to those later. I try to read these in order, so. Dear Glorious um, Shining Matt. Puzzled Lobster, your number one fan. That sounds about right. Yeah. Please don't hit me with a hammer. Or an axe if you want to be loyal to the novel. Or a uh, tiny shovel. Yep. And don't, r- and don't run over any sheriffs with a riding lawnmower. Is that a thing? That also happened in Misery. Ah, it's been a while. It's a good movie slash book. Yeah, it was. I I, I have experienced both and enjoyed them both. It's just and not, both and not a good play. Okay, so our first email comes from Daniel. All right. Uh, he says, hey, guys, good luck with the final season of Voyager. I hope the good has outweighed the bad. Uh, no, Daniel, it has not. No, sorry. We appreciate the uh, we appreciate the sentiment, though. Yeah. Uh, here are some thoughts about the uh, finale. Um, let's see. The board didn't come back until after Unimatrix Zero to the finale. No. <laughs> I'm reading one, it too. Let's see. Brandon Braga had some great images. One was opening with Voyager above Earth, this great homecoming sequence. There are fireworks and the. Oh, this is just describing the finale. Yeah, we've, we've seen it already, Daniel. All right. I appreciate that. But, uh, all right. Let's see. This one comes from Tony. Hello, Tony. And he says, in Supplemental 31, you mentioned lazy writing in Voyager and bad Star Trek comics. This immediately sent me back to the three-part Voyager comic story I read a few months back that was published in the late 90s when the show was still on the air. (laughs) The story was centered around Voyager stumbling across another doomsday machine in the Delta Quadrant that is attacking a population-rich sector, and Janeway decides it's up to them to stop it. How fanfiction is that? The first issue was essentially the first half of the original episode, except with Voyager, and included a damaged alien ship whose captain essentially takes on the role of Decker. If you think that's lazy, then the second issue is Harry Kim telling the crew the original story, complete with flashbacks. (laughs) The final issue sees Voyager trying to ram the alien ship down the middle of the Doomsday Machine, like in the original episode, but gasp, this time it doesn't work, so they do the next logical thing, which is Beam 7 inside it, where she tries to assimilate the weapon with her nanoprobes. Wow. Actually, um... This was early on in in the run of the post-atomic horror, but Mm. uh, we used to review some, uh expanded universe stuff we did until we got tired of it <laughs> yeah uh books and comics and so forth and irish gav actually read and reviewed this comic 
Uh, oh God, seriously? Yeah. This is. I mean, when we launched Pod was 2010, so it was seven years ago. It was like at the very beginning. So wow. it's quite some time ago. <laughs> but yes, I I remember it because I remember he sent me some graphics to go with it, and I remember like a drawing of Janeway in front of the Doomsday Machine. Oh crap! It's a Doomsday Machine. <laughs> So I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, or if you feel like digging through our website, there are reviews there. And like I say, early on, uh, all of us, well, at least me and Matt and Gavin, I feel like some other people may have mm-hmm. contributed, but uh, put down our thoughts about uh, comics and, and novels and so forth. So, yeah, that does not sound worth reading. However, there was that big old, and I think this is still out there super cheap, that big old collection of pre-IDW Star Trek comics for like, five dollars or yeah something. we both got the, the that back when they were putting comics on cds right but um now i think you can get that through humble bundle for pretty cheap as well mm-hmm. and so like if if you want and maybe i'll dig this up when i do the show notes or maybe i'll say uh why why did i give myself more work but yeah. I'll, I'll try to i'll try to point you guys to because there are some decent comics out there, like oh, a yeah. backlog of old comics not not a lot but some the peter david ones were pretty good yeah um, his, uh, Who Killed Captain Kirk is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, probably others. <laughs> I have a fondness for the, for the gold key ones. They're not good, but they have a real unique aesthetic to them. There's, the, like, that 60s, like, clearly they hadn't seen the show and they didn't know what it was oh, yeah. like, so it was almost a different thing entirely. Those are very strange. They do have the best fucking logo, though. Yeah. Oh no! Uh, yeah, it's very stylized. Like, um, uh, what's that guy? The the title guy's name? Uh, title Dan. I think you're yeah, about. Title Dan. It's very it's very in the style of Title Dan. Yeah. Oh, this is gonna really bug me now. <laughs> he, did, he did a lot of credits for uh, for Hitchcock, and I can't think of his name. And everyone listening now is screaming his name. But they're all anyway. screaming Title Dan is what they're doing. Well, obviously. Um. Anyway, it was it was in the style of that guy. Uh, Tony continues, on another note, I do look forward to Monday mornings when I can download the latest episode. I plug in some earphones and walk around town for my errands while listening to you guys talk Trek, and it helps me escape for an hour. I won't tell you what from, but on another topic, I've been married for 11 years. (laughs) Oh, Miles. Miles, you can do better. (laughs) That's some good horrible wife joke right there. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Let's see see this one comes from ben and he has photoshopped a thing ah it's janeway talking to some aliens saying you have a problem we can help you solve it and then the aliens saying check out the hook while our dj revolves it something that definitely should have happened on the actual show absolutely uh we will we will put that in the show notes as well janeway was a fan of ancient earth earth hip hop uh, I, I would imagine Paris introduced her to that. <laughs> Captain, you'll find that there's nothing trickier than rocking a rhyme. I don't know about that, Mr. Pa- oh. <laughs> that is tricky. And here comes and here comes Earth Icon's pen and teller. <laughs> they took my gold chain. <laughs> <laughs> that guy doesn't talk. No, I'm just imagining uh, season eight of Voyager, which, uh, you know, thankfully didn't happen. But um, where uh, the the running holodeck thing that everyone goes to is like the movie Crush Groove or, or like one of those breakdance movies, Breakin'. You you probably don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but this is like early 80s movies about inner city kids breakdancing. I, yeah. 
Unless it involves a... Paris spinning on a piece of cardboard, then no. I, that's that's effectively what what it is. It's All right. you know what breakdancing is, and these are the the quintessential. We gotta save the youth center from the evil like developer movies from the with breakdancing. fucking Vidians. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Andrew. Uh, hi guys, love the podcast. I'm starting to think Garrett Wong is the Marina Sirtis of Voyager, except way less enthusiastic mm-hmm. and a less prolific actor. That said, is it too late to convince you to take a breather before starting Enterprise? There are tons of 90s material to riff on. No, no. no. Yeah, sorry. We will be doing some of that. We will get we we'll, we'll get there with later. Yeah. Is the and plan right now. Andrew lists uh, some things. Say Captain Planet, Captain Star, Captain Power. Um I hate Captain Planet. Thank you. Uh, I hated Captain Planet as a kid. Mm-hmm. I hated the idea of this guy who was all like, fucking recycle. And I was like, no, you're not the boss of me. Yeah. It's, but uh, Captain Power is ridiculous. So Wasn't that a like one of those things where you had a toy that you held in front of the TV and yep. the show would send out a flashing light that would give you a fit and make the, make the toy jiggle yep. or something? That is exactly it. I had the evil Birdman action figure, and I loved it. Birdman! Off only. Yeah. Uh, And he says, All right, I kid. What I really recommend are Canadian shows. Shadow Raiders, War Planets, Shining Time Station, or the Red Green Show. Oh, sweetie, do we have a treat for you? Uh, Yeah, we will be... (laughs) Flip over to the other supplemental we posted this week, and you have a Canadian show, and you will will, uh, wish that we never... Did that, and you will learn why we will never be doing another Canadian show. Uh, he also mentions reboot, which I know some people have a fondness for. I Reboot's fucking not. pretty good. Uh, okay, it's also only a half hour long, so it doesn't really work for the format of the show. Well, we could definitely do some half hour stuff. We we covered the animated series after all. I suppose that's true. Uh, this one comes from John Wiggins, and he has photoshopped us a "What about Barkley?" <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. Poster. That's about right. Where Deanna Troy is the shrink that Barkley is, is stalking. That's pretty good. Oh, God, that movie would be so much more, like, that would be so horrible. <laughs> I, I think uh, Bill Murray plays a much uh, better uh, crazy dude than uh, Dwight Schultz does. I just, ugh, imagine if Dwight Schultz followed Marina Sirtis on vacation. Oh, wait, that happened. Yeah, that actually happened. Gross. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Greg, and he says, Hello, Alan, Matt. Hello. Tell you how sad I am that you're approaching the end of Voyager, mainly because my wife is a therapist. All I right. listen to your pa while making dinner during the week, and she quietly listens along. Over the past number of weeks, she has been developing a theory that any day now, the two of you are going to go full Stockholm Syndrome. She's waiting for the episode where you both declare that Chuck is a decent character and that you both have a grudging respect for Harry. Well, that, that never happened. No, we made it. Yeah. Couple of quick things. I'm glad you guys have finally come around when it comes to the Doctor. The character moved from an interesting data analog to a boring one-note diva. Yeah, we were pretty sad about that, honestly. Do you think this is because Picardo just gave up on the character or the writers have given up on him? I don't think there was any giving up on that character at all. I think that character, like, those, the both Picardo and the writers completely fell in love with that character. I the the thing is, and I, we've talked about this. The, the, that's the thing about doing this supplemental. That was another reason I did. I was reluctant to to do this. I feel like we've covered all our, like I don't have much left to say about Voyager. We've talked about this. Yeah. Like I think the reason the Doctor started becoming less interesting is because the character striving to be more human became Seven, mm-hmm. 
and then they didn't know what to do with the doctor anymore. I mean, we talked about that. He sort of didn't need to become more human. Right, but I'm saying that was his role before. Like, he yeah. was the Data, he was the Odo, he was the Spock. Like, he doesn't necessarily want to be, but that's, like, like, like the, th- those characters are on different places in that spectrum. Like, yeah. Data absolutely wanted to be. Spock didn't. Odo usually didn't, but he kind of did. Mm. And, you know, he's he's somewhere in there. But But then Seven filled that role and I didn't think they wanted two of them so then he was just singing guy which is yeah. really a, an archetype in the Joseph Campbell sense not not really no you know the, the the hero the villain the singing guy yeah not so much uh, Greg says lastly just wanted to leave you with this photo from the Star Trek experience over at the Museum of Pop Culture in your fair city uh, of all the characters to put on the cover of a cookbook Neelix would be my last choice I feel like his quote on the cover should be it's mostly about cooking hair <laughs> yeah, this, Matt actually owns this book I do own that cookbook it uh, yeah. when we used to do the video versions of this show uh, it would it would, would be put in the foreground next to my spot cookie jar to give the show a little Star Trek ambience don't say used to we'll do we'll do it again oh yeah it's just a matter of convenience of getting you know we we live in different cities and we can't always be in the same place but we'll we'll definitely do those again i I enjoy those i especially enjoy uh fielding questions in real time oh yeah that's really cool yeah uh let's see this one comes from david and says a couple of times now i've heard you wonder what the generic term is for a bovine creature i i i believe you but i don't remember saying that really uh, to settle it once and for all, because it sounds like a bad D&D creature, I wanted to tell you the word is cattle beast. That is all. <laughs> I love this. That. Yep. Okay, so that's just like the non-gendered cow. I guess. I, 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 that's how I read that, yeah. Is a kettle beast. A cat, cattle. Like, oh, you know, oh, I like cattle beast, beast better. Sorry. All right. We're going with kettle beast. <laughs> You've been attacked uh, by a roaming kettle beast. It sprays you with hot water. <laughs> and whistles. Yeah, you can hear its distinctive cry. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Dan. Hey, Paul. So now Hello. that you're done with Voyager, I have a few questions for you. First, looking back, was it as bad as you thought it was going to be? From what I remember, each season it went something like season one. Wow, there's some actually cool things here. Season two, uh, the first half of the season is miserable, but then we get Tuvix. Season three, OMG, this is so awful, except for Scorpion. Season four, Wow, this is actually a good show. Season five, not as good as season four, but wow, impressive. Season six, ugh, awful. Season seven, please let this be over soon. (laughs) Basically, it seems like Voyager was about half and half, which is not necessarily bad. For the record, I think Voyager is one of the weaker shows, but listening to your podcast actually reminded me of the gems that I enjoy. I mean, Uh, we were pretty clear. I feel like we were pretty clear on this last last, uh, week when we were wrapping up. Um, Voyager's fine. It had it up it like like I always said that next gen was like a bell curve. Like it mm. started out real bad, then it got great in the middle, and then it kind of tapered off at the end again. And it had some good ones in like season two, and it had some good ones in like season seven. But most of the great ones were season three, four, five. Mm. And Voyager wasn't that like you couldn't break it down that smoothly. Like no. DS Nine started pretty good and got better and better and better. And Voyager is just kind of up down up down up down. Like it it doesn't really follow a clear pattern like the other two. Yeah, that's, I, I'd say that's about right. It just for a while, like, but the thing is, like, like this guy says, it did get, like, it wasn't just like we got a good episode and then it was bad again. Like it, it, no, it would be there, good there, for a while. Yeah, there was a run where suddenly the, it's like they figured this out. It's good, and then they lost it again. Yeah, 
that was and, and like we and, would get like not just good like uh, Voyager but like good Star Trek episodes you yeah. know and we had a we had most of a season I and I don't remember which one it might be uh, uh, Dan's breakdown here or we may not completely line up with him but there was I remember one full season that we thought was mostly good I think mostly what killed Voyager was a combination of what feels like uh, laziness and not being sure what to do anymore, which, you know, yeah. they talk about a lot in uh, the second half of the 50-year mission, where it's just, yeah. you know, we've been doing this forever and we don't really know what to do anymore. Yeah, thinking of ideas is hard. Yeah. Which, um, oh, oh, you know, again, I've, and I've said this, again, we're going to be repeating ourselves a lot, but there's, if you can't think of high-concept ideas anymore, if you can't think of mind-blowing sci-fi stuff anymore, then just shift the focus and focus on the characters yeah. and don't worry so much about the big ideas. Yeah. you've Especially late in the series, you've spent five, six, seven years establishing these characters. It would be interesting. Like that one episode that was mostly about Balana's like, self-hating Klingon-ness. Yeah. Where there was no deadly danger and it was just, I don't want my baby to look like a Klingon because that was hard for me. Mm -hmm. That, to me, was a great episode that had almost, like, it had a little bit of science fiction in it, but mostly it was just about her. And that's yeah. that's how you make a good show late in a show's run is you get inside the characters' heads and, and deal with what they're about instead of a wacky thing from the outside. You know? mm -hmm. I, I think uh, the last half of Voyager would have benefited greatly from some new blood. You know, Absolutely. new writers, well, new direction. We're gonna we're gonna see that, as I recall from Enterprise, like uh, Berman and uh, uh, Braga created it, but it's mostly a new writing staff, as mm -hmm. I recall. So and I don't think that matters much because, at least according to the fifty-year mission, they kept pitching stuff, and Braga kept having to say, "Nope, we did it. We did that. We also did that." Like because well, they were new, they didn't realize all the stuff that had been done before, and so they were yeah. trying even worse to retread the old stuff. Ugh, boy. So, I, again, I, I I gained a lot of respect for him from that book because yeah. a lot of what he wanted to do is stuff I respect. I still don't like his writing style, but as a showrunner, I kind of respect his instincts. It's yeah, I, I'm glad that he it turned out that he wasn't as lazy as we expected. No, he wanted he like, had some cool inspired ideas, but Berman would usually shoot them down, or they would just not do them right. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, let's see. And, uh, Dan continues. Second question. I've heard people multiple times say that X is what Voyager should have been. Some examples include Battlestar Galactica, Stargate Universe, uh, the episode Year of Hell, the mm -hmm. episode The Void. Mm -hmm. Do you guys agree with one of these? Do you have any idea of what Voyager should have been? Oh, do we? <laughs> yeah. No, we, we've talked about that a lot. We had a yeah. whole, <clears throat> one of our first supplementals was just, this is what we thought Voyager should have been. Battlestar Galactica is up there, I think. Yeah. Battlestar was sort of my big, like, Battlestar Star Galactica was me sort of looking at uh, just like, oh, what if Ron Moore got to do uh, uh, Voyager? And that's kind of what happened, because he went to work on Voyager briefly. Yeah. And then left and then made Battlestar Galactica. So I feel like he's like, you know what? They're not doing what I want. So let me do it. Yeah. The th but the, the two are actually, you know, very similar. Just, you know, having like the ship lost in the middle of nowhere with no connections home. I think a more... Like a, sort of a more positive version of Battlestar, where they like they're they're more um, they're more about sort of keeping the uh, the ideals of the Federation going. Yeah, that's and that's that uh, that episode he mentions here, the Void, the one we did uh -huh. recently in the in this most recent season, where they're trapped and everyone's stealing from each other, and Janeway's like, no, we will form an alliance and we will all be good. Yeah, like that. Yeah, if you if you expand what happened in that episode to 
a season or a series like mm-hmm. where because that's exactly what happened there. That yeah. was them trapped in a bleak situation in Janeway trying to keep Federation ideals alive. Yeah. And so, yes, yeah. that's how you like you keep our guy. It's it's similar to what DS9 did, but different enough that you're not knocking off DS9. That Saints in Paradise thing. It's mm-hmm. like. No, okay. It's easy to be good when everything is great, but if you if you're suddenly in a bad situation, are you still a good person? Yeah, exactly. And that's really interesting drama, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan says, "Love the podcast. It is one of two that I look forward to every Monday morning." Oh, thanks, man. Well, half thanks for that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> listen, uh, there's a lot of podcasts people could listen to. I'll take being one of the best ones. Uh, I won't. I want to run them all off the road. <laughs> Unless the other one you listen to is Contentment Corner, you son of a bitch. Ah, uh, nobody listens to that, Matt. Uh, John Wiggins says, wasn't, oh, The Void. Wasn't mm-hmm. this episode already done in the animated series? Uh, one, Voyager writers don't do research. Two, animated wasn't canon. Three, why wouldn't Voyager do something from the animated series? <laughs> if they're going to do anything from the animated series, they should have done Bem. <laughs> well, this one did like Bem. <laughs> He was a guy who could become pieces of a guy. The thing is, I know there's a way to pull that off that doesn't look stupid. Uh-huh. Like, almost like a horror thing. Oh, yeah. But also in a cool sci-fi way. Like, I don't know if you want to do CG or what, but there there is a way to make that work where it's not just the filmation guy splitting up the joints in the animation cell. Yeah, that's, that's not... It wasn't the best. No. But I mean, you know, um, James Doohan's ridiculous alien voice for him and the goofy design of him, like that all made it like compellingly cheesy. Obey me. Ooh, I haven't done that one in a while. That's the same voice, basically. <clears throat> so lonely. Please don't leave me. Also, Eric's. Don't forget <laughs> him. James Doohan was a talented motherfucker. Was he? Not at voices, but <laughs> I liked him. He's a, he seemed like a fun guy, a nice guy. But, uh, I, I, one of the <coughs> excuse me, one of the things I love about the animated series is just uh, doing and uh, 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 fuck well, who <sighs> fuck, who was the other one? Um, Ma- well, Major Barrett had to Major. That women. was it. And occasionally, Nichelle Nichols would kick in, but Major just work, did most of the women just working their asses off doing the voices of random aliens. Well, and we talked about this. The reason that, the, like, they couldn't hire your standard Frank Welkers and, you know, your guys, your Billy Wests of the day, the guys uh-huh. who could do 50 different voices, because they had already paid all the money for the name actors from Star Trek. Yep. So they didn't have any money left over for a couple of guys to pick up the slack for the incidental characters. Just, and come what, on. <laughs> what, Leonard Nimoy's going to be Alien of the Week? Probably not. Why not? He was a Transformer. Twice. Twice? Yeah, he was a Transformer in one of the new movies, too. Was he? Yeah, he was one. Of, he was the main bad guy in the third or fourth. I don't know. I don't I fucking watch those movies. I mean, obviously, terrible. I know he was in the '86 animated movie, but I didn't know he was in one of the Michael Bay movies. But no, oh. he shows up and he says a line from fucking Wrath of Khan. Oh, Leonard. Yeah, Leonard. Uh, what well, can I say? I need a paycheck. He's still. He's still the greatest. Oh yeah, definitely. Despite that, he's still the greatest. Listen, uh, what would you do with your with your spare time? It was two days of work. <laughs> Uh, did you forget that I did a VCR commercial? No, that was like a where video I, disc commercial. Where I talked to a rock for half an hour? Look, uh, we, we the, henceforth this will be known as Vincent Price's Law. Uh, interesting, Rock. What else would you say? This is this is the... And, and to understand that reference, please listen to the other supplemental we're posting this week. Yes. Where Vincent Price did four days worth of work for something like $80,000. <laughs> 
and 400 episodes of television. Thanks, hilarious House of Frankenstein. Now I'm going to buy a yacht. <laughs> a luxury yacht. <laughs> Sorry, it spells luxury yacht. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Ryan, and he says, gentlemen. Hi, Ryan. Greeting, greetings from Tokyo and the far side of the world. Oh, wow. Listening to your recent podcast, I was pleased to hear you're putting a moratorium on well, actually letters about how Enterprise is actually very good. Well, I'm here to tell you that everything you fear about Enterprise is true. It's a boring retread of old Star Trek plots carried out by a drab wooden main cast. But hey, at least there are a lot of good guest stars from the good old days. J.G. Hertzler and Casey Biggs show up at least once. I don't think I knew Casey Biggs did. That's Damar. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, J.G. Hertzler is Martok. Yeah, yeah. Both of those guys are great. Yeah, and Jeffrey Combs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mostly, though, I think you'll hate it. Try to enjoy the suffering. We, the listeners, sure do. Uh, There's definitely a, a swath of people out there who seem to... Appreciate our suffering. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This one is someone posted a GIF uh, that's just uh, reaction shots of the doctor and Balana looking at each other and shifting around slightly. And yeah, the long it, what it says is if you look at it long enough, it's like they're doing a little dance, and that is true. <laughs> And I will put this in the show notes as well, Matt. Unfortunately, you're not you're not seeing this right now. But uh, I always, whenever anyone does a GIF of reaction shots, I always want to put Franklin in there. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like, want any part of your uh, your animated GIF. You freak bitch. <laughs> That's my wife. Uh, let's see. Thanks again for your commitment to this podcast. I look forward to listening to you guys on my way to work every Monday. The fact that you haven't missed a week in seven years, the fact that you bring us uh, free and ad-free episodes without fail is worthy of some kind of podcast award, which they should have if they don't already. They, uh, the, the, they the, do. I mean, there are and many. We, we recently asked for money, so I feel like we might have failed you on the ad-free front, but, uh, you know. Incidentally, this episode brought to you by Loot Crate. Yes, Loot Crate. <laughs> Uh, Cards Against Humanity asked us not to read an ad. Wait, no, they didn't ask us to read an ad because we have nothing to do with Cards Against Humanity. Basically Do- the same thing. Dollar Shave Club every every day. Uh, Fleshlight is, uh-huh. is a thing that exists. Oh, oh God, I forgot Fleshlight Shit. did uh, podcast ads. The mattresses. What's the mattress? One? Oh, fuck. Um, Casper. Casper mattresses. Yeah. Is that all of them? Is that the big? No, like, I'm, uh, the, big the Audible. Uh, oh, yeah, Audible. Uh, fuck. Um, what's the, what's the website one? I don't, oh, uh, Squarespace. Squarespace. Yeah. So now we should be collecting a check for much money because that's all the major, uh... Uh, Al, someone just shoved a check for $8 under my door, so... Great. Well, you know what? You keep that because, uh, mm-hmm. I, I took the, uh, the fundraising money to, to cover costs, so you know what? You, you keep that for yourself. Nice. Little, little, uh... I'm gonna buy me a hat. Little bonus. Uh, you know what, what, what I, what I shill for, what I advertise for is, um, giantblackalbatross.com, bunnybubbles.com, all the Disney movies, uh, uh, what else do our friends do? Let's see here. Yeah. Um, hope I'm not forgetting any major ones here. Oh, uh, the optical podcast, of course. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Going through the list of all our, uh, uh, all uh, uh-huh. Um, Probably forgetting something, but those are the ones that come to mind. And apologies if I <laughs> yeah, serious apologies to if we if we, if we forgot them, guys. I was looking at the drawing that Brian did of all our regular guests and and thinking, okay, who has a website there? Let me make sure I, I mention all of them. What do you do? There you go. 
Uh, let's see. This one comes from Rob. I'm Hi, Rob. Slightly dr- I'm slightly drunk, so forgive me if this rambles slightly. That's okay. So am I. Uh, th- th- there are a lot of words here. Uh, All right. Let's see. I finished watching my my rewatch of the dreaded Enterprise and moved on to the original series. This puts me simultaneously in front of and behind you. Wow, it's almost like I'm caught up in some sort of ill-defined temporal cold war. <laughs> Can you hear that? It's the sound of my mind being blown. Uh huh. Speaking of blowing, Chakotay. <laughs> You're not blowing Chakotay, I hope. Uh, regarding your recent comments about the actor giving a good performance when it, can, when it can be bothered, I have to disagree. As evidence, I would like to point you in the direction of a 1980s cult fave and influence on Joss Whedon's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Night of the Comet. I recently rewatched this movie, and guess who plays the male lead? None other than old twinkly eyes himself, Robert Bobbity Bob Bob Bobby Beltran. Oh, no kidding. After witnessing him attack the scenery like a starving man at an all-you-can-eat buffet, I came to the conclusion that his performances are aimed squarely at the extremes. And occasionally, if he's feeling particularly off his game, he inadvertently gives a good performance. Well, my thing with him is I never thought he was a great actor, but I did think he could be charming when he wanted to be. Uh Uh-huh. Those scenes between him and Janeway could, like, when it was just the two of them sort of being quietly funny. Yeah, I always felt like with Chuck there was there's something there. You know, yeah. but it was mostly charm. It wasn't like I believed his emotions so much as I believed that he, you know, he could yeah. be charismatic. That's all. When he wanted to be, even then he, he wasn't. Uh-huh. Uh, as I said above, I'm now rewatching the original series. I'm also re-listening to your old shows as I go along. Okay, so um, we're sorry. He says, don't be so hard on yourselves for those early episodes. They still make me laugh and you wouldn't be where you are now without those first baby steps. I also purchased the ebook of your first episode guide and enjoying those extra gags as well. Oh, thank you. That, by the way, yeah, if you if you want to check that out, we did write episode guides for the original series and Next Gen. Completely new jokes that were not on the show. Uh, go to postatomichorror.com and there's a link to store. I, we yeah. don't mention that enough because no, every we, now and then I mention it on the show. For the amount we worked suddenly, on, those show, or on those books. What's that? For, for the amount we worked on those books. Yeah, we, we spent like weeks and weeks like, and then I got them copy edited and, and so forth. Like we, we actually put real book effort into them. We didn't mm-hmm. just you know dash out a summary like we do on the show we actually like we would pull up our old summaries and make sure we didn't make the same jokes yeah and a lot of times have to remind each other what happened in the episode because i didn't remember and you didn't remember yeah what was this one about it was a common was a common phrase yeah uh on the plus side though those books we we do have physical copies of those books one of them is sitting in next to my dad's toilet which is about the highest praise i can give for a book we have we have physical copies and ebooks and whichever you like we'd be happy to send them to you if you mm-hmm. if you're interested. Uh, he says finally I know coming off Voyager and looking down the barrel of Enterprise is very depressing. I won't lie those first two seasons will be rough. Uh, starting there it hasn't been bad for me. Uh, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. Just look at Manny Cotto's name. Yeah, okay. This is one of those people who says that the last season of Enterprise is great. I've seen some of those episodes. I don't think I agree, but maybe coming back I'll feel differently. I mean, I'm hoping, you know. I hope it's all fucking good. I doubt it will be, but I, yeah, that, that's the thing. I it's not that my mind is already made up. It's just I know what it's probably going to be, but I would love to be wrong. We've we've admitted being wrong many times. We are not so proud that we will not say, "Wow, this was good." Whoops. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at our opinions of Janeway. Oh yeah, that's that's the main example there. There's others, but that's that's the big one. Like it, we our minds are definitely not made up. It's just no. I I have some pretty well founded assumptions. I think. Look, I want to like Enterprise. Do you guys think I want to watch a TV show I hate for a year? No, we do, that's that's not what this is. 
that's not what this is about. Yeah. want to be, ha- and I don't want uh, Discovery to be bad either. Yeah. Like, I, we, I don't think we've talked about this. Let's talk about this real quick. Did All you right. see that trailer? For Discovery? Yes. Yeah. What'd you think? Looks fine. Yeah. I'm oh, like, you know, I watch it. wasn't like watching something where like, you know, yes, I have to watch this right now. But yeah. I, I, you know, I watched it and I was like, "This is this looks good. This looks more in the in the direction I wanted to go than it doesn't." Okay, but that's that's the that's the most positive thing you can say. Yeah. Okay. That that's about how I felt about it too. Only I thought it was a little too dark. Like just in in terms of lighting, in terms of lighting, but also in terms of tone. Mm. Um. And I'm like, you know me, I love DS9. I love when Star Trek goes to dark places. But with the way things are right now, I kind of want Star Trek to be a little more bright and optimistic and colorful. I'm hoping that they stick like that's the sort of tone they they go with. I just did not get that from that trailer. Also, Star Trek can be many things. And if it's not that, it could still be great. That's Mm -hmm. not that's not a that's not an automatic reason to dislike it. I was just I was hoping it would be that it can be it can be great in a lot of other ways. But I was really hoping for something a little more, you know, what what people always say Star Trek is supposed to be. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like we've had this conversation about a million times since we started this conversation or since we started this podcast. Trailers lie. Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely they do. And we'll see. I mean, I love that the two leads are women and women uh-huh. of color. That is awesome. I love that in addition to that, uh, there uh, there is one character who's supposed to be like unqualified, just gay. Like mm-hmm. not like, yeah, gay, if you read between the lines, like what they've said is no, absolutely. This man dates men and kisses men. Like, oh, good. That's great. Oh, but. and by the way, if you're someone who thinks that that Star Trek is about the adventures of white dudes traveling through space, fuck you. You missed the point. Yeah, I mean, it it has been sometimes, but the message, even when it was the white dude delivering the message, the uh-huh. message was always about diversity. Always. Yeah, like, if that's what you took away from Star Trek, you, you didn't, you, you missed the fucking point. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, we rag on Gene about his mm-hmm. retroactive vision and about trying to make things look more progressive than they were. But in in one very important yep. sense, it was always incredibly progressive, which was the fact that Nichelle Nichols and George Takei were right there on the bridge with everyone else was a absolutely. big deal in 1966. Yeah. Huge deal. Um, And like, I, n- I never want to people to think that we don't agree that that's a huge thing. Because no, it absolutely we just, is. We just disagreed with, like, Gene's spin on the fact that it was always supposed to be about the perfect future. Yeah. Well, I mean, like a lot of people, it turns out that he was kind of a shitty dude. Like, Yeah. But but the show did do a lot of things that science fiction at the time, at least mainstream, like, TV science fiction. Like, I know books and stuff were doing mm-hmm. things like this. Mm-hmm. But, but on, on NBC in primetime. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was a big deal. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, we we mocked we mercilessly mocked the white on the left side, black on the right side episode because it was heavy handed and dumb. But it was trying to, uh, like, uh, deal with that topic. Like, yeah, it was, it was saying this is a wrong thing we see in life and we can use science fiction to talk about it. It did it badly and mm-hmm. they often did it badly, but they were trying. And I yes. give them points for that. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, just yeah, anyone who's who's upset about that needs to well, 
Go to hell. Yeah, I, I don't. I, hmm. Not not. I'm not really interested in their opinions. We'll just say no. That. <clears throat> I, you you, uh, can, you can say horrible things about them if you want. That's, I try. I'm trying real hard not to be as negative. So. No, it, you, uh, if you, you know, if you're angry about that opinion, uh, feel free to listen to a different podcast. There you go. Because we we embrace the diversity 100%. And to be clear, I am uncertain about what Discovery is going to be, and I don't know if it's going to be any good. That has zero to do with the fact that there are two women of color up front. That's the one thing I think they absolutely got right. And if nothing else, now Voyager's not going to be the one with the woman captain. Now there's more than one. Yeah. And that's good. Like, Mm -hmm. on top of everything else, that's good. It doesn't look good to me in a, in in some ways that I'm concerned about, but that's that's not you know like the tone seems a little bleak to me. Uh, the alien that senses death seems a little goofy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my species has been been built for one purpose to sense death. And the guy looks yeah. at him just like, well, that's a stupid thing. <laughs> yeah, sense death, huh? Like and, and- all the, what is it like? Do you have like a like a spider sense or something? Is it going off constantly, man? What if I walk up to this cliff and just sort of dangle my foot over? It? Are you sensing death right now? Is that what's doing it? Yeah, because literally everyone here is mortal. That is that is what being alive is. Is, uh-huh. is a temporary situation. But if I'm gonna play Russian roulette, do you <laughs> do you just stand next to me and as the barrel spins, go no 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 yes no 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 yes yeah. No, it, it seems kind of dumb. And also, it just makes me think of uh, Grandpa Simpson pointing and going, Death! <laughs> Star Trek alien yells at Cloud. Yep. I, I mean, in this case, it's a giant It's a giant world-eating Cloud that's super intelligent. But still. Cloud. Clouds. Yeah. I We'll, we'll see. Also, I have some I, I very well, like, very, I've said this over and over again. Brian Fuller. I, I, my faith in him has been shaken severely from some of the contributions he made to to Voyager, mm-hmm. and I know that was twenty years ago. I know that, but mm-hmm. still, it, despite like when I've seen him do Star Trek, it it's not been great. And then in addition to that, okay, so he is good now. Mm-hmm. He left. <laughs> yeah. So either way, it's like okay, if he's good, why didn't he stick around? And if he's bad, then you know, I, we'll see. Well, I. I I mean, I hear American Gods is very good. Okay. Probably is. It's a good book. But, you know. <laughs> Left to fix this other show. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see. Also, uh-huh. the fact that it's on a streaming service and not on a network doesn't give me a lot of confidence. Also, the fact that it uh, the, the premiere date has been delayed and delayed and delayed is not a, a great vote of confidence. But... It could be. I hope it's great. I really. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do. I've said this a million times. I don't want to do three series in a row that I'm not happy about. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, this next one comes from Deke. Hey, Deke. And he says, "Thank Cthulhu, it's not just me. Uh, <laughs> just a few more episodes, and you'll be off Voyager, uh, and out of the Beta or Gamma or whatever the hell quadrant First Officer Chuck Blanson has been exploring for the past thirty six years. Delta Soon. Quadrant, Deke. It's the Delta Quadrant. Oh, you finally got that." Delta. Quadrant. You had a, you had a problem with that for a while. What, how did you finally? Uh... We covered this. You gave me a mnemonic. Uh, did I? Yes. What was it? The gamma quadrant it starts with a G, and that's so good. The ah. delta quadrant starts with a D, which means dumb. Ah, that sounds like something I'd do. I don't uh-huh. remember that at all, but uh... alpha and beta are easy. Fucking alpha is where we keep all our stuff, and beta is where we never went. 
Beta's the weird. Beta's like the mountain time zone of of galactic quadrants. Yep. Somebody lives there, but who the fuck knows who? The the Klingons and the Romulans live there, right? Isn't that the deal? Uh no, because throughout uh, DS9, when they're talking about war with the Dominion, they talk about the fate of the Alpha Quadrant, and the Klingons and the Romulans were tied up in that. See, I thought they had, like, stuff in the Alpha Quadrant, but, like, the actual empire, like, the Romulan Star Empire, which, by the way, is still what it's called and is badass as fuck, yeah, is like centered that. in the Beta Quadrant. Yeah. With all the I, Beta I fish. I think it might spill over, but I think, like, like I say, in, in DS9, they kept talking about the Alpha Quadrant races being the Federation, mm. the Romulans, the Klingons, the Cardassians. Like, those mm. were all Alpha Quadrant guys is how they referred to them, and maybe... Maybe that was just shorthand. Maybe it was easier to say it that way. But I always assumed it because of that. When the Dominion talked about conquering the Alpha Quadrant, they talked about taking out all those guys. And of course, once again, it's the Alpha Quadrant because it's where we live. Yeah. The most important race in all of Star Trek. Sector 001, man. Uh-huh. That's where uh, Earth lives. Deke continues, soon all your questions will be answered. Will Seven just get sick of these stupid idiots, blow them out the airlock, and take off for parts unknown with little Wildman? If only, Tom, if only. Will Tom adjust to domestic living? Will Harry ever matter? Will the writers ever understand the concept of holograms? Oh, and will the ship get home? I guess that should be answered as well. <laughs> will Harry ever matter? Makes me laugh. The answer is no. I'm very proud of you guys. Sure, there's been good times, but there's also been workforce. Hang in there. Just a couple more weeks and you'll never have to watch Bad Star Trek again. You'll be completely finished and, oh, I forgot Enterprise. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. Now get out your germ gel and start rubbing each other down. I don't think that's necessary. That's that's a thing we got to look forward to there. Ugh. I think uh, I think it's time for a musical interlude, Matt. We, uh-huh. got a, we got a couple of songs from people this time. One of them uh, comes from Brian, and actually he's he's put a little intro in himself, so we'll we'll play that along with the song. But uh, this this once you hear it, it's going to be stuck in your head for a really long time. So, oh my god! Uh, fair, fair warning. And uh, this is this is from Brian. This is Unimatrix Zero. <laughs> Hey guys, it's me, your uh, frequent guest, Brian Lynch. Uh, I uh, wanted to, to send you a special message here at the end of Voyager. Uh, a lot of people sometimes ask me, whatever happened to good old Ensign Sadsack, the intermittent Twitter presence that would make humorous comments on the actions of the Enterprise and later Deep Space Nine crews, and uh, occasionally transformed into a goose. Some say he ascended to another plane of existence with Ben Sisko. Some say, I forgot the password that I used for the Twitter account and the fake email I used to sign up for it. But the actual truth of it is a little bit stranger. I'm going to tell you a little true story, what happened to me. And it goes a little something like this. As Deep Space Nine was winding down and Voyager was a-showing Down the track came a real sad sack and he said, boys, I'm not going I'm headed for a land that's far away where a man can be a hero So come with me, we'll go and see the Unimatrix Zero In the Unimatrix Zero, there's a land that's clean and new Tom Paris is never sleazy to the ladies on the crew Where the mess hall's often empty Because Neelix was never born Why there's no recycled plots as we travel far and wide And on his first away mission, Harry Kim died in the Unimatrix Zero 
In the Unimatrix Zero, Chakotay gives a care. And Naomi is first officer, and Neelix isn't there. I know I already said that, but it should be said again. Oh, the air is clear and the weather's fine, and Balana actually gets screen time in the Unimatrix Zero. In the Unimatrix Zero, Janeway's hair game is tight. And Tuvok is still a good dad, and the doctor's still alright. Where Seven of Nine wears real clothes, and the recurring folks recur. There's no tiki bars and no quaint Irish towns, because Fairhaven burned right to the ground in the Unimatrix Zero. In the Unimatrix Zero, the Kazon are dead and gone. And Alpha Quadrant species stay where the hell they belong. There ain't no short-handled shovels, no lazy twirling fans. Why I'm headed for the place where there ain't no blame, where Brian never talks about deadly games in the Unimatrix Zero. I'll see you all this coming fall If I don't get the job on Reba So so there's that Thank you Brian Very very enjoyable I, Oh I, my god That was that was above and beyond Brian Uh-huh uh, let's see. This email comes from Richard Spruill. Oh, this is the guy who writes us the, the other songs, which we'll be we'll play. Ah. He's he wrote us a song as well, and we'll be playing that at the end. I didn't want to put them both together. I, like it's it's not fair. I want to, no. I want to give it a little room to breathe. And uh, plus, his yeah. song is a good sort of enterprise. Launch. Yeah, it's, it's enterprise themed, so it'd be nice to to take us out in that. Yeah. Uh, but he also writes a, a an email here, and he says we learned in Next Gen that Doctor Soong deliberately made Data act less human than Lore to make people feel. Uh, more comfortable around him. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the doctor in Voyager has something in his programming that kicks in if a patient becomes too emotionally attached after the doctor saves their lives and delivers <laughs> their child, etc. Uh, this would explain all the singing and his increasingly abrasive personality. He's designed to drive people away if they get too close. <laughs> or it's like it's like the, the computer knows he's been on too long, so it starts making him more irritating, so people want to shut him off. Or it's or it's because he's been on too long, and it's like the old school monitors where the the image gets burned in. There's no yeah. there's no personality screensaver, so it just becomes irritating all the time. Yeah, that's why his singing is there. So, there's so much singing. The singing part got burned into the monitor. Yeah, the it's monitor like the, that is sick bay. There is no flying toasters to to help that like prevent that from happening. Um, I would love if they left the doctor alone for like an hour and just flying toasters just started flying through him. Yeah. That would be great. Or pipes started growing out of him, or something. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just because I'm an old school Mac guy. The flying toasters. I'm just, a, I'm, you know. Doc, did you just turn into a maze made out of brick that looks like Wolfenstein? <laughs> Gotta get out of these catacombs. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Morgan. Guys, mm -hmm. to follow up on my on my previous comment to you guys about DS9, I wanted to see if either of you had checked out the big hit for Avery Brooks' performance. Matt indicated he was interested to see it. Here's here's a thing. Let me tell you something about uh, good old Matt Robotham. Mm -hmm. When you say, Matt, you should watch a thing, he'll say, yes, I should. And he'll probably mean it, and then he'll never watch it. That's true. That's just I, have the, uh, I have the memory of a small fish. Yes. A, a goldfish, Matt. You probably forgot the name of the, of the fish you were talking about. I did. <laughs> no, like all of us, I'm sure you have a giant mound of media that you intend to get to one day, and you just uh, you haven't yet. I'm trying to rewatch Twin Peaks right now, damn it. Well, 
That's, and that's also watch Twin Peaks. Peaks. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I've been watching new Twin Peaks just over and over again, like uh-huh. trying to parse it and figure it out. And uh, I, I don't think I'm any closer to an answer than you who have seen it once. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm enjoying myself. So there you go. Now, I watched the uh, the first episode of the new stuff. I'm like, I should rewatch everything. I don't remember who some of these characters are. And a lot of people were blindsided by some stuff from Firewalk, which they didn't. I, they didn't realize that would be on the test. Uh, and so they're like, oh, I guess I should go watch that, too. Uh-huh. Yep. That's the problem. Like, that one's hard to find now. Is it? I think so, yeah. They oh. put it in with the with the box set, but, I mean, like, you can't just go out and buy it. Oh. Well, it should be on uh, the, the Showtime app, I think. I don't, I don't know. No, I'll check it out. I, I own it. Out. Like I, I, I have the DVD, and if you need to borrow it, I uh, that might that that might happen. Yeah, uh, Morgan. Not continues. that I don't want to show the most depressing fucking movie to my wife, but uh. it's not. I the thing is, most of it is just reconstructing what you already know from the show. The first, mm. the first segment of it, I, I is the part that I watch the most with, with um, uh, FBI agents uh, Kiefer Sutherland and Chris Isaac, mm-hmm. and a brief and then David Bowie. By David shows Bowie. Up. Yeah, very briefly. To go, um, I'm David Bowie. And then and then the the last like the the subsequent three quarters of the movie is just reconstructing everything that you already know from the show, only you see it happen instead of like like they gathered all the clues in the show yep. and now you're watching it happen is all. Laura Yeah. And there's some good stuff in there, but uh I don't find it all that interesting just because it's you know, you've already seen it. Sure. But anyway, uh, Morgan continues. Also listening to your Voyager episode on Workforce Part 2 and Human Error, you guys discussed your impending reviews of Enterprise. I rewatched Enterprise. Okay. Uh, we, we will see what happens. Yes. I'm, I'm just sorry. I don't mean to dismiss your opinion. I'm sure I'm sure it's valid, but, you know, just tired of defending my, my half. Like, I can't defend an opinion that is not a fairly formed opinion yet. Mm-hmm. I'm talking out my ass and I can't really defend that. We'll, so. we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there next. We'll start getting there next week. Yeah, we sure will. And it'll be a long road after that. Oof, this one comes from Justin, and it is a YouTube video of Robert Picardo singing. So we'll put that in the show notes. If you, for some reason, at this point, have not gotten enough of that, uh, finally, I, I haven't. I haven't seen Robert Picardo sing enough yet. In in days, it feels like. <laughs> I mean, it haunts my nightmares. He's hanging outside my my house right now. I'm coming to your house after school. Trying to entice me out. <laughs> trying to entice me out to listen to him sing by shoving checks for eight dollars under the door. <laughs> That's pretty enticing. Uh huh. Those those checks add up. How many more checks for eight dollars do you have for me? I mean, is this going to be like that Seinfeld episode where your hand cramps up uh, endorsing all the checks and it's not even worth <laughs> it? No. Where's the chemical bank? <laughs> uh, now we Grandma! begin. Now we begin the massive uh, saga of emails to you from Puzzled Lobster. Okay, then. So these are, these are addressed to you. It says, at Robot Matt. All right. Love the show, guys. Anyway, a few months ago, I think I stepped into the Mirror Universe as a fellow fan of Demolition Man Matt. As we all know, Taco Bell won the Food Wars. However, sure I was did. in Austria watching the movie. Exactly the same in every way, except the version I was watching, Pizza Hut, was now the restaurant in the movie. Yeah, I heard about that, actually. Very bizarre. And what do you guys think of the new Discovery trailer? We talked about that. Yep. Uh, it gave me almost a Mass Effect vibe, which I liked. Uh, I agree with that. But I, I find I a lot of science fiction now looks like Mass Effect. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. Just and it sounds like Mass Effect. It's got like that dong music. I don't, 
I don't know Mass Effect, and my eyes usually glaze over when people start talking about it. That's okay. Your wife can tell you all about it in detail. No, no, thank you. Well, I stand behind her and scream more details at you. I'm aware. I have gotten trapped in situations where it's you and her and at least one of our other friends talking about either that or Dragon Age, and it's like, oh. Yeah, and then Irene will show up to tell you some more about it. Yeah, that's that's the other friend I was talking about. Yep. Uh, more from Puzzled Lobster. Oh, and P.S., while I know this isn't on topic with Star Trek, I figure any excuse to avoid talking about Voyager is worth it. Uh, but I was wondering, Matt, uh-huh. being an Elseworlds fan, if you've seen or played the Injustice games or comics, Injustice 2 is amazing. The story would make a far better film than any DC movie so far. And our old Trekkie fan, Jeffrey Combs, is the voice of Brainiac. So Ooh. there's at least one Star Trek connection there. I am not a big fighting game fan just because, one, I'm bad at them, and two, you really need to have... The, the ideal thing to, way to play those is with your friend at a sleepover, and I don't have sleepovers anymore. I got married. Um, yeah, every night is a sleepover when you're married, man. I guess that's true. Um, the comic I've seen panels for on Tumblr, and it's it looks fucking fantastic. Hmm. I, I will say you can't... You can no longer say the DC movies are shitty because I've seen Wonder Woman, and it's great. Yeah, we're going this weekend, so... It's great. I, I'm very excited. I One small problem with it, which is that they do some of that Zack Snyder 300 slow motion crap, which is just, sure. I guess that's just action movies now. Like, and that didn't ruin the movie for me, but a couple of times it's like, man, take that out. And this is an outstanding movie instead of a great movie. Yeah. But uh, quite, quite good. Also, uh, there's a Trek connection there because Chris Pine's in it and he is fantastic. Good. Good for him. Yeah. And I mean, it takes a lot to be Steve Trevor, the character nobody gives a shit about. Well, I won't spoil it for you, but uh, <laughs> quite good, quite good. Uh, and, oh my god, this is a large block of text here. Uh, talking about, uh, oh, the 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 Seth, what's his name, the family guy guy? Uh, Seth MacFarlane. Thank you. I was like, Seth Meyers, Seth Green, I'm going through every Seth, like, no. Yeah, he's doing a Star Trek spoof. Yeah, I saw that, the trailer actually looks pretty good. Uh, I don't, okay. I don't. I don't really care about that guy anymore. But uh, that's fair. Like I don't. I don't wish it harm, but I, I probably won't watch it either unless it's amazing. Um, this one comes from Anthony and says, "No spoilers, but there is cause to treat Enterprise as a cheap historical fiction hollow novel." Oh yeah, I I do know about that because of the ending. Oh yeah, the fucking the TNG. Everyone stupid- hates that. I don't think I'm going to hate that. I think it'll be, oh, good. Finally, characters I care about. Uh-huh. But we'll see. I don't know. It just seems like it It, it seems like Enterprise itself just being like, well, we know who you actually wanted to see. It's none of us. I mean, are they wrong? N- well, no. Would you, at this point in our, in our Star Trek journey here, uh, who would you rather see? Uh, a slightly older Riker and Troy or some guys you've never heard of that took place 100 years before Kirk? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, also, thank you for going through the whole of Star Trek. It's great to revisit my nostalgia for these shows. I grew up watching mostly DS9 and getting to filter the nostalgia through reality. Seriously, till you guys got through DS9, I kept expecting Rom to be the cool idiot savant engineer. We see him later in the series. I didn't realize he only filled that role for a single two-parter episode. Yeah, yeah. And this is another... It's, it's understandable guys. why you would think that, because your brain wants it to be that way. Yeah, it was a great moment that passed very, very quickly. Um, and another vote for us watching and possibly talking about the new Seth MacFarlane show. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'll never watch it, but, you know, not that interesting. Well, we're going to, we'll wait on reviews for it. I've got, um, I have some problems with Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly it. 
Like, um, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Family Guy, like, I used to like that show until I realized that it was, you know, just, it was just get, relying more and more on, on, fuck, on homophobia and racism and a lot of fucking rape jokes that are not funny. There's a lot of that. For for sure, I won't dispute that for a second. It's also just mean on top of that. Yeah, it is. It's very. It's a very not, mean show. Not like funny, 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 cheap shot, funny, funny. It's uh-huh. like all cheap shots. Yeah. Like, I don't mind the occasional, like, like any comedy that I enjoy has some of that. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. This is a more recent thing for me. I, a show like Parks and Rec. Uh, or Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine or... Uh, uh, the Good Place, or possibly yep. shows that Mike Shore didn't create, but uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I'm just a little more into like n- like characters who are nice. Like you can still be funny and not be cynical and cruel and just vicious. You know, like yeah. That I and I still look. I still laugh at stuff like that. Let's be clear. Oh, yeah. I, it's not like I've <laughs> wussed out in my old age. It's just I don't know. It's kind of like I was saying earlier, where I kind of hoped there would be a more bright, hopeful Star Trek. Like right now, the way things are going, I just you know. Can we have yeah. something a little nice? Yeah, look out your window. The world is terrible. I don't need it to be on my TV so much anymore I, either. This is why I like Steven Universe so much because yeah. it's a nice show about friendship. Yeah, huh? Which is a dumb thing to say, I know, but uh, that's what I like now. So the thing is, I completely agree with you. I'm yeah. I'm completely down for a nice show about friendship. That's not all I watch. I watch some bleak ass stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Between Fargo and Better Call Saul, and like I watch a lot of stuff where just the universe is a horrible place and everyone's gonna fail. Uh-huh. But it's nice, you know. It's nice to see something nice. It's it's like reading a comic like Squirrel Girl. It's like, yeah, a, a, a character who can solve her problems through the traditional means of fighting when she needs to, but more often than not, becomes friends with people and realizes that their conflict doesn't even need to be there in the first place. I really yep. like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, next one comes from Mark, who says, Hi, Alan, Matt. I haven't written hey. in a while, but I'm still a happy listener. Congratulations as you reach the home stretch of Voyager and prepare to move an Enterprise. Uh, it's nonfiction instead of fiction, so it's outside of what you reviewed in the past. But would you consider doing a review of the DS9 documentary when it comes out? I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah, I don't know that we'll do um, a, a, like a formal review of it like with a summary and and good thing bad thing or whatever but we absolutely i'm sure i mean probably what'll happen is we'll watch it and then we'll tweet about whether it was good or not (laughs) or it'll come up on the show and we'll discuss it for a bit yeah exactly i'm looking forward to it oh yeah i it it, it's weird because it was one of those things where a lot of people made me aware of it like like they do like our listeners are good at hey a new star trek thing are you Mm. aware of this and i like that i like the people think of us but uh unfortunately everyone did that about five minutes after it was already fully funded so it's like Okay, well, they don't need my help. I mean, it's good it's coming, but uh, looks like the initial excitement already passed. Either that or it just got funded in like a day. But, you know, like I, I thought it was going to be a long thing where like, okay, I'll donate some money and we'll we'll tell everyone on the show and we'll get support going. No, they don't need us. Uh, let's see. Brian, Brian Lynch. Uh, yes. <laughs> author of the uh, unshakable um, earworm that is Unimatrix Zero. Says, hello, posties. Believe it or not, this time it's me who's going to ask you for trivia. You know, as opposed to all those times you asked me. Not that I ever gave trivia unprompted. Ahem. Mm. One. According to Memory Alpha, the Voyager finale makes Harold one of only three Star Trek actors to have worn all three division colors, and all three were on Voyager. Mm -hmm. The others were Robert Picardo and Robert Duncan McNeil. Mm. Now, 
Obviously, Harold wore, Harold wore yellow usually, blue in the Doctor's Hollow novel, and red as Captain Kim, which, by the way, uh, my ass, he got to be a captain. Yeah, thank you, Brian, exactly. And Picardo wore blue as Joe, uh-huh. red as Emergency Command Hologram, and yellow as Zimmerman. So when did Paris wear yellow? Obviously, red was his usual, and he wore blue in the Hollow novel, but when the hell did he wear yellow? I mean, are they counting, like, when he was... No, that was a cadet uniform. Yeah, and there's so many alternate realities and, and like, a fake holiday. Like, I mean, yeah. it probably wasn't canon. I don't remember the. I don't remember him wearing I, it. I don't either, game. but, I mean, there wasn't just the uh, the Doctor's Hollow novel. There was also that, uh, that, that civilization that thought Voyager was evil or whatever in the future. Yeah. So well, it could have so been many, there. So much of what we saw in Voyager ended up never happening. So it's hard to say this was a situation that happened that resulted in him wearing yellow because it was probably some fake out bullshit. Yeah. Which is difficult to, so I don't know. Uh, also, is he, really- he also is the only Star Trek character to wear a, a prison uniform, so. <laughs> and it wasn't the striped convict outfit. I was so disappointed in that. It, obviously what you need to do is have it be like a Star Trek, uh, like a Starfleet uniform, but the colored part is the black and white stripes, right? Yeah. And he's got to have a, 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 giant metal ball chain to his ankle. Right, but it's the future, so it's, it floats behind him. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Make it like the, uh, the fucking, the, the Jetsons, like, yep. noise behind him. Yeah. That feels about right. Oh, fuck. No wonder Kirk loved prison so much. <laughs> well, penal colonies. Well, yes. I think he thought they were something different. <laughs> No one, no one actually explained it to him. That sounds like a day spa. Uh, Brian says, also, is it really only those three? I feel like there must be at least one more over the course of Trek. I thought Leslie and Kyle, because I know they switch between red and yellow all the time, and I bet they wore blue at least once. But as far as major characters, mm. these aren't things I pay attention to. I, I suck at that. You're better at noticing weird little visual details. I'm half the time looking at my notes. and probably- the, thing, the thing is, I, I rarely look at the actual people. I'm mostly looking in the background to see, you know, weird ladders or vases that I hate. <laughs> Freestanding ladders or, or other ladders? Both. Oh. Well, the first freestanding ladder didn't actually appear in Star Trek until, like, Deep Space Nine, so... Right. Very important we keep track of that sort of thing. Yeah. Thanks, Memory Alpha. Yeah. I'm glad you're not a dude. Uh, the thing is, I actually... Like, I mean, it has been uh, an indispensable resource for us. It absolutely has been, until we got tired of Voyager and stopped going. No, no. The thing is, they got tired of Voyager. You might have stopped looking there, but they stopped updating it. That's wow. why I stopped looking. Like, in, in I think it was like mid-season six or so, like, there's super basic, like, this episode was filmed on this date and that was it. Mm. All the interesting anecdotes and all the, like, what people thought of the episode after it came out stuff just, yeah. like, drops away. Like, like all, that, all that stuff that gives us something a little extra to talk about just isn't there anymore. Yeah, like, when I used to refer to it for DS9 and early Voyager, like, you'd go and check it out, and you could tell sometimes if it was a ba- if you knew it was a bad episode, mm-hmm. uh, and then you'd read the the, sum- the summary for it, and it would be, like, super short or whatever, because, yeah. which I was took to believe that Memory Alpha was agreeing with me. Yeah, we don't think it's a good episode either. No, here are the basic points, but nobody's got anything to say about it. Yeah. Um, he says too. along those lines, what's your favorite time a character changed uniform colors? Me, I got a real kick out of seeing data in red and there's no better way to show how bad things got during the year of hell than seeing Neelix in yellow. <laughs> Here's Ugh. to the finest crew in podcasts. Well, well thank you, Brian. 
Thank you, Brian. Um, hmm. I don't know. Like, I, I, I liked not because I liked it. It didn't make me happy, but it, it was meant to make me sad, and it succeeded when you saw Picard in um, tapestry in his sad blue uniform, where yeah. he's like a lieutenant. Yeah, he's like a sixty-year-old man who's like the same rank as like Wesley Crusher. Yeah, I like that. That's that's depressing as hell. Yeah, one one pip. Yeah, I mean ensign Wesley, ensign Picard. I mean, no, he was a lieutenant, and it was it was what Wesley would have been if he had stayed in. Let's be clear. I'm not I, sure. Like, I understand Wesley wasn't a lieutenant, but you know, um, I also liked when Worf made the changeover from yellow to red when he decided he was on the command track. I thought that was yep. pretty cool. Um, Worf needed to, needed to spend some time in blue. That, like... Yeah. That would have covered everything. Worked. Uh, I started red. Then I was yellow for a while. Now I'm red again. Mm-hmm. Worf, or, you want to uh, do some medical stuff? Absolutely not. Or they could send... Um, they, they could send Cisco uh, to, to blue to study math. Uh huh. I don't I, understand any of this. Yeah, I assume sciences must also cover basic arithmetic. Cause, uh, Negative numbers? What? Imaginary numbers? That can't be a thing. You're making this up. You're you're all making it up. <laughs> uh, oh, and Brian writes another one. All hey right. guys, Al probably just said this next one comes to us from Brian, but it doesn't actually. Oh, I'm writing okay. this on behalf of a mystical imp that just appeared in my living room and asked me to relate the following. And he stressed that I should copy what he says verbatim, so here it is. Fiddle-dee-dee, you post-atomic gentleman. It is I, Mazomar, the television wizard. <laughs> Alakazoop. Uh, well, may you remember that when Deep Space Nine started, O'Brien left TNG to join their crew full-time. What you may not know is because I used my mystical magic ways to make that happen at the request of another Star Trek podcast. They liked O'Brien so much, they asked me to put him in the show to replace DS9's original chief of operations, Lieutenant Sparky Toots, the constantly farting dog man. <laughs> and I have come to grant you the same boon. I shall travel back in time and add a supporting Deep Space Nine character to the cast of Voyager. Pray tell me who you would like me to add to the show and what character ye would have them replace. Just remember, Ooh. you can't take one of the main crew, recurring characters only. Zip, zap, wahoo, I'll take my answer off the air. Sincerely, Mazomar the Television Wizard, PP, Brian Lynch, dictated but not read. <laughs> I should have done a sillier voice for that, but it's still a little early and I can't really muster that just yet. <laughs> okay, so DS9 well, DS9 character... Had a, DS9 had a vast assortment of secondary characters so we got a lot to choose from uh -huh. Ooh. and honestly I would even say not that I not that this is my pick but I would even say Sirik Lofton is a supporting character uh huh or Jake Sisko as he was sometimes known <laughs> I, I I feel like uh, having Sirik Lofton not appear in Voyager is important yeah every I think every memory alpha entry should be marked Sirik Lofton does not appear in this episode I feel like the entry for Sirik Lofton on M Memory Alpha should just be, Sirik Lofton does not appear in Memory Alpha. <laughs> it's like that Arrested Development thing where uh, Anne's picture in the yearbooks is not pictured. <laughs> oh, God. My first impulse is just Garrick. Wow. Because I love Garrick and I love the idea of him, like... I love the idea of, like, of like a, a sketchy character on, on Voyager. Well, if you there go back never to, was one. 
if you go back to the original idea of Maquis versus Starfleet and you got this very tentative peace between them and then you got someone deliberately sabotaging things and just every time everything's friendly for a little while, then he yeah. makes it worse again. And the idea, like, also, like, you have a you have a guy who wants to go home from a space station by his planet. Now you've suddenly got him halfway across the universe. Like, I would love to see what he would be willing to do to get that ship home. Yeah, he's got because he's got to keep tabs on what's happening back home, man. Yeah, he's still even if he's not an active spy, he's still got those spy instincts. He's got to he's got to be plugged in and being mm -hmm. so far away from everything, you know. I don't know how you would get him on other than just like he gets stuck on the ship when it goes off on on its mission to the Badlands. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, who else? Morn, obviously. <laughs> oh, obviously. Just have him sit in fucking uh, the mess hall. Well, actually, I, well, I, I, I believe what Mamaza. I, I deleted the email, so I'm not sure what it is. But the the television, the television imp. Uh, he, what he's saying is replace a character. So like, oh. so Garrick would be instead of someone else. So like, Morn could replace uh, Neelix. Yeah, where I like that. He'd be the cook, and he'd never talk. <clears throat> Perfect, because that's what I want when I go to a restaurant. I want to be like, I want a server to be civil. I don't, uh -huh. I don't treat them as less than i will no. tip well i will be pleasant but once i'm eating please leave me alone don't be yeah. my friend like i i respect your job it's a hard job and i want to be nice to you but don't absolutely sit, is yeah don't sit at the table and try to be my friend i hate that i God, man i came here to very quietly eat a cheeseburger and read a book yeah no i to be clear because there's a different there's there's a difference between what i'm talking about and people who say ugh servers are just like they're they're there to serve me like no it's not no that's disgusting no i don't see them as less than i just see them as let's all make this easier for everyone mm -hmm. i'll make less work for you and you make me feel less awkward and yeah. i will pay you a lot of money to bring my food and then go away yeah that's all um so yeah morn as the as the cook would be perfect uh let's see who else anyone else who do you um, think i would replace leonardo da vinci uh-huh with um uh, 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 what's his name? Um, Vic Fontaine? Yes, Vic Fontaine. I don't even like Vic Fontaine that much. Uh-huh. But just any vestige of DS9, even Vic Fontaine, even Rom. Yep. I take that. Than, I, like, you know. I like Vic enough to... <laughs> yeah. I didn't like, like, he, he sort of wore out his welcome a lot on DS9, although I still love him in the last episode. I thought that was super important. No, there were um, a lot of good Vic uh, appearances. They just used yeah. them too much. Is all. Yeah. It's, it's like um, the way we felt about the Borg. The Borg were mostly good. They just went to the well a little too many times. Yeah. But Vic in, in uh, uh, Voyager, where they're already using a shit ton of uh, yeah. holodeck time. Good. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that sounds good to me. Plus, I like. Plus, he sings real nice, and I like those songs. So, yeah. Uh, also, I would replace Harry Kim with uh, Cisco's baseball. Yep. Just put that at his station. Just a baseball resting on the console. Doesn't talk. <laughs> it's not. It's not any kind of alien or magic or whatever. It's literally just a normal human, like Earth baseball. Yep. Like an inanimate, inanimate object that would replace Harry. Oh, I would replace that fan I hate with the shovel. <laughs> Ooh, so so the shovel is better then. I guess so. Okay, the I, shovel I was in less episodes. We finally uh, we finally settled that. Mm -hmm. Well, now that we're on the last episode of Voyager, I feel like you know we need some closure there. That's fair. Uh, this but it would just it would be slowly rotating in the background. <laughs> so there'd be two of them, yep. acting as fan blades. Yes, 
because it's just small enough to act as a fan and and not and not big enough to act as a real shovel. So you keep saying. And I'm right about. Uh, this one comes from Zachary and it says, hey, Ron and Matt. I'm not sure who this is for. Uh, this is my who second the fuck time. Is Terry? <laughs> this is my second time writing you guys. The first time was way back in Deep Space Nine when I wrote about Move Along Home, the board game episode uh, where the main crew are board game pieces. Sure. Now writing to you because I was listening to a Star Trek podcast while waiting for the next episode of yours. Someone wrote in and said Star Trek Voyager was their favorite Star Trek, which made me immediately think they must... Uh, they must have watched it recently. They must not have watched it recently because after following along with you guys, I don't know any sane person who would call Voyager their favorite Star Trek. Well, unless they have a weird fascination with wood. Thank you, Chakotay. <laughs> inappropriate fondness for people underage and a fetish for hair. Thank you, Neelix. Special boys. Damn you, Harold Kim. And stuck up pretentious assholes with two shticks. Fuck you, doctor. <laughs> have a great one and hope Enterprise isn't as bad as we are pretty sure it will be. <laughs> You know, there are people that I actually respect who genuinely like Voyager. I'm not going to yeah. say that they're wrong. I just I don't I don't understand it, but like if that's your thing, man, go for it. The thing is people want different things from Star Trek. Yeah. You and I mostly agree on what we want from Star Trek. We occasionally disagree, but mo- for the most part we have similar expectations. But Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons this show works so well. Yeah. But that some- we've been doing it long enough to be fucking experts. Yeah, I think well, I don't know because then you got you say what was your favorite time someone wore a different uniform and I'm like there are uniforms I don't know that yeah. I call myself an expert. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about Star Trek more than you know the average person on the street. Definitely more than Gene Roddenberry at this point. Definitely more than Gene. More than like I, he was I, always this, trying to run off to talk about the Questor tapes or whatever. No, no, no. Fuck. This isn't a swipe at Gene. I'm just saying at this point. We may have spent more hours talking about it than the guy who created it. Yep. Because, you know, he died relatively young. Mm -hmm. We've been doing this nonstop for like uh, seven years now. So, yeah. Probably talked about it more than William Shatner. Uh, Almost definitely. Yeah. That guy was distracted to talk about TJ Hooker. Well, he talked about whatever he's up to. Tech war. He, he, wrote a, um, he wrote a book about Leonard so he could make money for Bill. Boston Legal. Mm-hmm. No, Boston Public? What Boston was he a part of? I don't fucking know. Boston Chicken. Boston, write it and tell me what Boston William Shatner uh, worked for. Don't I'm do too that. tired to look it up on Google. Nah, I don't feel like looking it up. Literally a computer right in front of me. Um, let's see. This one comes from Ben, and it is titled Little Shop of Post-Atomic Horrors. Hi, Ben. Uh, Hey guys, just wanted to let you know that since you've been asking for money, you're dead to me. Um, All right. Just kidding. Fair enough. I'm happy to support your ad light podcast, although asking your fans for support every once in a while doesn't feel like an ad to me. Certainly beats having to hear about web hosting or shave clubs or farm fresh meals I can make at home. Oh, we forgot about Shave Club when we were talking about that. No, no, I got Shave Club. We forgot about, uh, 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 not Loot Crate, fucking the food Loot Crate. Red, blue, blue apron. Blue apron. Yeah, that's it. It's red, red, red heart. You know how they'll send they'll send a delicious, healthy meal to your to you every fucking month. <laughs> Is that the ad? Every fucking month. <laughs> every fucking month, we'll send you some noodles and some meat in a bag, and you can eat it. <laughs> Better than going to Denny's, motherfucker. Is it blue? Blue apron out. All right. Uh, I also wanted to say that I really enjoyed the sticker pack I brought from your online store. Emphasis his. I've got paw magnets on my fridge, a button on my jacket, and stickers on my computer. So just in case any listeners didn't know that you guys had an online store, emphasis his, uh, with lots of awesome stuff. Now you know, chuckleheads. As always, keep up the good work. Now let's get through Enterprise, your pal Ben. 
yeah, again, postdomichorror.com. There's a, there's a link to store. Uh, we yep. do sell some, not a lot of stuff. Like I would love to be able to sell shirts. We got some great designs, but I can never find a good shirt site that doesn't cost yeah. a million billion dollars. Um, there's one listener in particular who actually runs a uh, screen printing business, which would be great. But the problem with screen printing is you need like a minimum order of like 15 or something. Yeah. To make it work, to, to make it profitable for us and them. And like, I, I don't like that's, that takes a lot more work than I'm willing to put in to put up one design, get 15 orders, you know, yeah. like that. Uh, no, no, thank you. Yeah. Like that's I'm too bad because we've had some good shirts in the past, too. We absolutely have. And I, I wish, still have my cork shirt and I love it. I wish there was an easier way and I wish there was a cheaper way. And so far, the only ways I've found are I either require having to constantly promote to get enough of for a minimum order or spend $50 on a shirt. And I don't want to yeah. do either of those things. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Deke and he says, Hey, there's something wrong here. I think you guys may have missed something. Oh, well, you better just go back and rewatch all of Voyager just to be sure. Mm, mm, I don't think so. Now that you're done showing, throwing your shoes at the screen and cursing my name, let's get serious. <laughs> Remember Star Trek, the motion picture and how the giant space cloud turned out not to be V'ger, but a Voyager spacecraft. And the movie yep. was kind of boring. Yep. Now just imagine if the Voyager crew took on V'ger. Or Khan, or Planet Forbidden, or a pair of horny humpback whales, or Space God, or Cold War allegories. Too bad Voyager never got any movies. Imagine the excitement as Officer Blands, First Officer Blanson bores the alien robots to death, or Harry Kim's scream as a space slug starts eating his brain, <clears throat> or rejuvenated Tuvok pawn firing it up with a Vulcan officer, or Neelix slaughtering and cooking whale meat, <laughs> or Janeway asking what Captain Kirk's ego needs with a starship, or Tom <clears throat> Harrison Bolanos' forbidden tryst inciting political firestorm. Or maybe they just have another holodeck adventure. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I feel like if uh, if uh, Berman fucking or, and uh, uh, Braga knew that they were going to be able to do a Voyager movie, it would be like, man, we could pour so many, many special effects into the holodeck. Oh god, that and they wouldn't have gotten them home in the yeah. um, in the finale. They would have saved that for the movie. Yeah, definitely. Oh, God, can you imagine the fucking, ugh. It just ends with them all sort of standing around going, well, maybe we'll get home. Shrug. Yep. It's just them staring at you for two hours. <laughs> Playing the, the ambient I always, uh, I, uh, Voyager no noise in the background. I always thought it could have been cool to do TV movies for mm -hmm. the shows that didn't get, like, the, the big screen. Like, DS9 and Voyager both. Even Enterprise, let's say. Yeah. Like, because um, some shows get that. Like to follow up, like I know the show Alien Nation after it got canceled, uh, got to follow up with some movies. I think Babylon Five did that. Like it's, it's there are been about done. eight different fucking Rockford movies. Yeah, not but, quite the same, but no, know, that, that, <laughs> I haven't mentioned that I like Rockford in a while. So that's more of a. I think I don't know that that show got canceled. If it did, it got canceled after a really long time. Like that wasn't they had a story they needed to finish telling. That was hey, let's get the old gang back and make another yeah. movie. Like that. That's that's a different kind of thing. Like also good, but a different kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, but I, I also thought it could have been interesting to do a movie where it's not explicitly a Voyager movie or a DS9 movie or whatever, but kind of like, I don't know, say Janeway and Cisco go on adventure together. I would be fine with that. Some, you know what I mean? Like sort of piece together, like something that involves like not all the crews of everything, but a, a way to bring in elements of the different ones. Mm -hmm. that could I actually, I actually would love, like, I uh, I like the concept better than the actual execution of what the books do, which is a lot of, like, the big Trek crossovers. Yeah. You know, it's, ve it's very Crisis on Infinite Earth, but for Star Trek novels. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's a thing I would love to see is like a like a two part uh, like DS Nine Voyager movie. Let me get the thing uh, is I next don't gen in there. I, I don't want it to be one of those giant clusterfucks of like deep fan service so that no one can understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I'd be into that. See, I do want that if it was done well. Mm. I'm, I'm that, that's, the, the problem is they could never fucking do it. No, they couldn't. That's a lot. That's a lot of people to throw money at. What I'd like to see is something like okay, uh, just off the top of my head, uh, Admiral Admiral Janeway realize like uh, is made aware of some very special mission that needs a, a select crew of of experts, and then mm. almost like a heist movie or something. And you get the best guys from next gen DS9 and and uh, Voyager, mm. and you put them all on a ship together and send them on like one last mission. Yeah, like something like that could be cool. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Brian. Oh, this is this is uh, Brian who is uh, a big fan of Voyager and and frequently takes to Facebook to tell me how we're wrong about Voyager. And uh, hi, Brian. Um, the end of Voyager. I know you guys have been looking forward to it a long time. I have to say, I'm sad to see it go. It definitely wasn't a perfect show, but after now having watched the complete series for the first time, I find it'll be a lot better than most people seem to think. Mm-hmm. To my mind, it's also pretty much the end of an era. All the next-gen era shows were interrelated to some extent. They clearly existed in the same... Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, as I said before, I'll be sad to see Voyager go. By the time of the series' conclusion, most of the characters really had warmed their way into my heart. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I don't know about most, but half, maybe? Yeah, I'd say over over half probably. Yeah. Um, he has a point about we. I guess we haven't really talked about this, but uh, he's right. This is the furthest into Star Trek that we get before we start heading back. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying, "How come Discovery isn't picking up like after Voyager?" Like, especially just from a production standpoint, you still got a lot of those guys who are older now, and if you jump mm-hmm. twenty years ahead. You could have older Tim Russ and older Jonathan Frakes and older Alexander Siddig or whoever. Mm. I will. Show up. I, I will tell you why. Actually, why is that? Because as much as they say that the show, the new show, isn't going to be related to the movies, and like they can't, they and in fact that they can't make it sort of tie into the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, that show looks like it fucking is ten years before the the new movies. Yeah, and the the big it, problem I had, and I was going to bring this up earlier, is how much mm. it looks like Enterprise to me. Yeah, no, you're not how, wrong about that either. How the 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 bridge is that bland dark gray, and everyone's well, in those dark blue uniforms, that's and kind of the aesthetic now. Like Enterprise, absolutely like looks like it would become uh, New Trek. Yeah, and this I, new well, and yeah, Discovery, they wore they wore those uniforms in in um in the latest movie. Yeah, exactly. Beyond. Balthazar Edison is from Enterprise times, right? And the thing is, okay, I get like I get that it was supposed to be a bridge between like current times. Like it looks more mm. like the current military than it does like, you know, classic Starfleet. But to me, and again, this is a small thing, but those bright like those bright colors, mm-hmm. like just sort of subconsciously say like everything is bright and fun and hopeful. And yeah. all that drab does not say that to me. Yeah. But and like the other thing is at this point, like it makes more sense to have the show tie into the Kirk stuff, the new Kirk stuff, than it does to tie into characters that have been gone for, what, 15 years now? I disagree. Because the whole point to me of having a TV, being able to do a TV show and a movie is to be able to uh, appeal to different groups of fans. Mm-hmm. And 
there is a large contingent of people who don't like the new movies. And yep. I, re I respect them. I don't agree with them, but I respect them. And the TV show is an opportunity to appeal to the rest of them who don't like that mm -hmm. and go in a completely different direction and, and uh, do something else. And so that way the movies appeal to one group and the TV show appeals to another. And ideally for us, we'd like them both. But yeah, uh, no, I, I get it. I just, it, it makes like they're doing. It just to me, it makes a lot of sense to have just have the like TV execs just go, no, no, tie it into the movie. But to, Star Trek can be, like, I've said this a million times, but Star Trek can be so many things. And mm -hmm. to just decide this is what Star Trek looks like now and don't bother to try to make it different, that that's just lazy and sad to me. It sure is. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, Brian says, I. I appreciate you guys slogging through the whole series. It seemed like there were times you were half ready to throw in the towel. While you may not have enjoyed your time watching it, and I imagine a majority of your regular listeners uh, enjoyed hearing you discuss it. Well, I, well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, there were times where I, I no kidding, mm -hmm. considered, like, okay, when can we bail on this? Well, I mean, I destroyed the power in my own apartment to try and get out of an episode, and that didn't work, so. No, we're in this... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do this because I've said this a million times. We do this because we like it. And if we don't like it, why do it? You know? But I don't know. Enterprise is only a year for us. Like we'll be done next June. Mm -hmm. And uh it'll be something different to talk about. So hopefully it won't just be more of exactly the same. Yeah. This one comes from August. August says, I can't take it anymore. In defense of Harry Kim. Ooh, we've been waiting for this one. <laughs> Holy crap. Okay. Harry is an ensign good enough to do Data's job. It's his first assignment, and he's supposed to do it just for a while, but ends up having to have that responsibility indefinitely while not knowing whether he'll ever see his family again. The fact that they keep him at the post the whole time points to him being the best qualified on those uh, of those on board, or at least out of those not better utilized at other posts. He's young and naive, yes, annoying at times, but he's reliable, performs impressively at his job despite his glaring inexperience, and is never mean to anyone. He even befriends Tom Paris back when he was still awful. And by Tom's admission, he said he wanted to be more like Harry. He's partially responsible for Tom becoming a better person. At no point is Harry terrible to women like Neelix in Paris. The hologram he had a crush on turned out to be a real person, which is why he fell for her. Tuvok mm -hmm. digged her too, so it can't just have been that. Sh it can't have just been shallow. Plus, he looks cute and is endearing in his awkwardness. So there. All right. Uh, most of your argument, August, seems to rest on him being good at his job, which doesn't make him a good character. Like, maybe he is good at his job, but that doesn't make me want to watch him. Yeah, no, I respect the things you are telling me. Yeah, but what I'm saying is there's no, like, I would respect a well-founded argument defending Harry Kim. Most of the defense is the show puts him in an important position, therefore he must be good at his job. But, the, the, you know, like, the, this defense uses the words uh, awkward and annoying. <laughs> well, I'll agree with you there. Yeah. What, what I'm saying is you didn't really defend Harry Kim the person, you defended Harry Kim the ensign, and okay, fair enough. But I, I, I've still, to this day, not heard a compelling defense of Harry Kim as a, a person interested, like, that I'm interested in watching. Yeah, no, I just, I find him incredibly irritating. He's very entitled, is the thing. Yeah. He, th he thinks everything should be about him. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, just yeah. I will give you the women thing that that we assigned because Garrett Wang, Garrett Wong, yeah, <laughs> said horrible things about women. Yeah, he he that that was all actually it might just be the one thing which mm -hmm. doesn't make it better, but mm -hmm. no, that that is inexcusable. Mm -hmm. uh, this one comes from James, dear Matt. Now, 
as this is the last supplemental in the Voyager area, uh, I feel I figured it was my last chance to clear up my own pet peeves about it. First, in the Seven Becomes More Human Every Day on the Holodeck episode, she requests a uniform from the captain, who happily grants her one because it really wasn't a big deal. Yet, it's huh? never mentioned again. She should have one. Just as she should have one. one. Just as every damn Maquis was given one five minutes into their journey. Go to hell, Rick Berman. At least we won't have to worry about such things on Enterprise. I'm sure everyone in Vulcan Fleet totally wears a unitard. Uh-huh. See, I was about to say, but she's not Starfleet, but uh, neither are the Maquis guys, so fair Yo, point. yeah. But then that... Neither, uh, neither was Kira. They gave her one. Like, yeah, they're not that was, stingy that was about different. handing out the uniforms. No, the Kira thing was because uh, Bajor was about to join the Federation, and yep. like... They were five minutes away from being part of Starfleet, so yeah. they said, "Ah, what the hell!" Like that—that that was di- that was a little different. She was already military. But still, she hasn't been through the. She hasn't been to the academy. She hasn't been through the training or anything. No, but like, she was mil- She was one military, briefly serving in a different military. Uh, whereas seven, I guess the board kind of counts, but not really. Yeah. No. Um. I I don't know. G- I can give see her a uniform. For, yeah, I, a uniform would have been nice, but I don't. I I don't know. Troy like, got one. Yeah. Well, Troy was in Starfleet. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why Troy didn't wear one on the fucking show. Well, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Second. Other than Rick Berman is a creep. Yeah, that's that is the reason. Uh, Second, Voyager is constantly traveling at impulse speed and establishing shots. Why are you going faster? That's that's one of those things I don't (laughs) really notice, but uh, I'll take your word for that. And I know why. It's because they're not in any hurry to get home. Yeah. We got stuff to look at. Yeah. Look, a plant. Look, a vase. Look. A necklace. Are you looking around your room right now? No, I don't have any of those things. Okay. You're just imagining things that would be an old lady's room. <laughs> just imagining things that would that, that uh, Janeway would like to look at. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, look, third, some coffee. Third, in your Best of Both Worlds episode, you admired Frakes for his portrayal of Riker, noting the character could have just been a bland, unlikable, handsome man. You know, sure. like Chakotay. Rewatching the show, I think it would have been far more interesting for Chuck to be an older mentor type, like the old Maquis guy who befriended Roe on TNG. Someone who retired from Starfleet but joined the Maquis to protect his home. Would at least explain why Chuck always stays behind on the ship uh, during away missions, besides wanting to firmly establish that the first female captain can be as action-oriented as her predecessors. Hmm. I agree. We I, talked about this. We talked about him being like the old history professor. Like, yeah. The, like, the, the, the character type. almost feels like that, actually. Yeah. The, the radical type who was a teacher, but realizes teaching like radical political stuff that he should be out there doing something about it. Yeah. I like that. That mm-hmm. would have been a much better. I mean, again, Ron Swanson would have been a better, like, Oh my God. If only. Yeah. Like we've, we've replaced him a few times. Yeah. No, Ron Swanson would be amazing. Yeah. But also like, like an old, you know, like I say, an old intellectual who realizes like reading books, isn't going to make the revolution happen. I need to be out there making the revolution happen. Yeah. Neelix, bring me all of the eggs and bacon you have. <laughs> Just so I'm clear. Oh, now I want to see um, Janeway eating just waffles with, like, mounds of uh, whipped cream on them. Fucking Star-, <laughs> Star Trek Voyager, completely replaced by the cast of Parks and Rec, would be amazing. Yeah, but Bellano would be April. Yep. Which would then make Tom... Uh, uh, Tom. No, Andy. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I was gonna say Tom would be a great, uh, great replacement for Paris. No, that also that also works. But, Whereas uh, Andy's like a perfect fucking uh, 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 Harry. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Oh my god, this works perfectly. Yeah, it does. Who's left? Who's the doctor? I guess. Uh, 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 fuck. Um. Well, Neelix is Jerry, Larry, Terry. Yep. 
Damn it, Neelix. <laughs> or Felix. Oh, <laughs> uh, fuck. What's her name? Uh, uh, beautiful Anne. Yeah, no, um, beautiful the other Anne, one. The perfect mermaid. Oh, Donna. No, um, uh, Donna. Yeah, Donna. Thank you. Fuck. As uh, the doc. Yeah, I or I guess Anne. She was a vet. Yeah, she was a nurse. Or a nurse. That was it. Yeah. Uh, he says, fourth, Barclay's DS9 uniform fits him like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> it surely does. And finally, the damn finale. I always hated it. Seven years, they get home in the last two minutes, and that's it. Nothing about mm-hmm. what actually happens to them after what they plan to do next. No wrap-up. DS9 got that. Next gen had movies. Voyager, nada. Just a big silly yeah. Borg adventure and an all-good things alternate future ripoff. Yeah, we talked about this when we did the episode. God, I would have loved to have seen some, you know, actual wrap-up. Yeah, what happens next? For these characters. Yeah. There, I mean, there's something to be said for the last show being, we talked about this too, the Voyager next to Earth. Yeah. But honestly, l- like, you could have cut most of the first episode and just had the second episode be sort of wrap up and goodbye. Well, it's all that stuff I've been talking about all along. It's seeing things that didn't happen. It's mm-hmm. it's getting emotionally invested. And I know that goes with, with sci-fi sometimes. Sometimes time travel happens. Sometimes alternate reality. Like, different things happen where... Yeah. The, the story doesn't count. But my problem is getting emotionally invested in this is the final episode. Here's where the characters ended up. Oh, never mm-hmm. mind. We changed history. Nobody actually ended up where we said. Yeah. So, like, what's the point in me bothering to care when I know it's you're just going to go back and erase it? Mm-hmm. That's stupid. It's like, okay, Harry Kim probably didn't become a captain and, and Chakotay probably didn't die when they said. And pro- this, you know, like, ugh. Why bother? Yeah. It's, ugh. Uh, see, someone writing in about the seven, uh, that, that episode that I hate, the retrospect, the one, the seven gets raped episode and uh, agree, basically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Mike X. He says, congratulations on finishing Voyager. I hope you were able to celebrate appropriately because seriously, it was bad. Maybe not Manos, the hands of fate bad, but definitely not good. So rest easy. I mean, I know which I'd rather watch. <laughs> uh, Manos without commentary. I mean, I've never seen it. So yeah. Okay. Um, Quentin Tarantino owns a print of that movie and uh, unironically likes it, but that's because that guy's fucking weird. I would happily watch a print of Manos at Quentin Tarantino's house. <laughs> uh, Mike says... Quentin Tarantino's not a person I want to spend a lot of time with, but I'd spend a day with. I don't know. I mean, I talk a lot, but that guy talks a lot. <laughs> no, Quentin, I would not like to look at more pictures of Uma Thurman's feet. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Mike says, so rest easy because I hear Enterprise is pretty awesome. I don't know. I haven't really seen much of it. And what I see, I don't remember, but I bet it's pretty great. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway, my favorite part of Voyager's seventh season, and go with me here, was discovering that Netflix had added the real Ghostbusters to its lineup. That means I was able to mentally insert episodes of that show into episodes of Voyager. It was great watching Ray, Winston, Egon, and Venkman nearly blow up their proton packs to save Voyager from the creepy southern guy with the ball-bearing eyes. Mm -hmm. By that time, they crashed Voyager into Cthulhu. Or yep. when they had to travel back in time to teach Ebenezer Scrooge to give a care or something. Yeah, actually, that last one wasn't the best, but at least it was better than that terrible space NASCAR thing. <laughs> anyway, which TV shows are you planning to mentally overlay onto Enterprise to make it more bearable? I'm still expecting Bacula's ship to be loaded with ghosts and have a much better theme song than it did originally, at least inside my head. Uh, I, like replace- I like replacing Scott Bacula with Count Dracula, so... <laughs> We're going to have to get those out of the way early, I think. There's a couple of things where it's like the Picard hair jokes, where it's like, okay, we got to make the joke, but then it's yep. time to move on. Yep. 
Um, so I would, I don't know about a TV show, but I would definitely recast, recast Ent- Enterprise with all Universal monsters. Okay. Except the dog. The dog still needs to be the dog. Oh, the dog's still there. Dogs I gotta great. have that dog. That's all I yeah. got, Matt. Or that dog turns into a person. No. No, the dog just needs to be a dog. It was the dog, Matt. <laughs> uh, this one is from Spurious K. Great name, by the way. Uh, and it's titled, Hey, Neelix, burn in your golden hell. <laughs> Hello, fellow humans. Well, that was shit. <sighs> Implied home getting only. No party. No round of applause. No medals. No well-deserved round nope. of court martials. Just getting pooped out of a plot convenience on the doorstep and left. Mm-hmm. But that's Voyager in general. Good concepts, sometimes. Shame about the execution. From basic premise to individual episodes and characters, wasted over and over and over and over and over. Because... Uh, uh, some more, because by heck did Voyager love getting itself in a nice comfortable rut and staying there. Mm-hmm. After all this time and so many episodes, all Voyager leaves behind for me is a few moments of remembering some nice character stuff and a lot of individual moments of aggravation. I can think back about the other shows clearly and remembering bits like Quark rescuing everyone from space jail, trying to stop the minefield being destroyed, Picard being awesome in Picard versus Five Four Lights, Bones just being Bones from first to last appearance. For Voyager, I've got nothing like that. It's just all mush. Bland, mildly aggravating mush, like overly salty oatmeal or Armus. <laughs> anyway, this image has been around for a long time, but when it comes down to encapsulating everything I want to say about Voyager in four simple words, uh, it's a picture of Rick Berman with the words, fuck you, Rick Berman, overlaid uh, on it. There you go. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. Or I could have just stopped it. Well, that was shit, since that also works and would have saved a lot of typing. Oh, well, chin up, eyes forward and onward to Enterprise. Yeah, the thing is, Rick Berman uh, also responsible for Enterprise. Unfortunately true. So that's, like, in a nutshell, why I'm not looking forward to it. It's because of the same fucking guy over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Putting women into fucking uh, onesies. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, this one comes from Seth. Uh, one. Hey, Seth. Last time we entered, we ended a Star Trek series, I made the argument that Cisco was ba- bad at his job as a captain. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, you both made the counterpoint that he was a good manager and father figure to his crew, which I, which I would agree with. So who was the better parental substitute, Cisco or Janeway? Uh, well, my knee-jerk reaction to that is uh, don't compare yourself, man. It ain't healthy. Yeah. I, I don't know. I liked uh, Janeway's um, uh, sort of motherly ties to the crew, but it's Cisco. Like, I don't know. It's Cisco. <laughs> I, it's hard. To, it's hard to be objective there because I liked the show better. Mm-hmm. It's hard to judge them on their own merits because I. I just don't know. But I do like. I like Jane a lot about Janeway being able to be like the person who goes and just hangs out with everybody. That like, you know, we saw like Cisco became friends with a lot of his like if he wasn't already became friends with a lot of like his guys. You know. Yeah, but I think Janeway did too. But what I mean is, I can see Janeway sitting down with anyone on that fucking crew and just like, so how are you doing? Yeah. Like, she knows the name of every person on that ship. Yeah. And she's had lunch with them at least once. I think, I don't know, I feel like Cisco might have done that as well. Especially with all his, like, emissary stuff. Like, he's mm, probably... That, that is a, true. He's made a I, special point of getting to know all the Bajorans, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would see that more likely than him, like... Getting to know, you know, like guy, like DS Nine probably ha- must have had like a huge fucking crew. Yeah, just because it's a big fucking space station. But also, like, half, I, what was half Starfleet, half Bajoran? So you know, like, 
as much as I like Cisco, I can't see him spotting someone like in a Starfleet uniform and going, I don't know that guy. Who is that guy? Whereas Janeway, I believe, knows every fucking person's name on that ship. There are less people. I, but. I just got a mental image of Cisco doing the pointy gun fingers. It, it, there he is. Hey, buddy. There's the guy. <laughs> I don't know why. Just that amuses me. Um, the, Dax, who the hell was that? Yeah. There he is, <laughs> Chief. Hey, no, not Chief O'Brien. I mean, Chief as in just Chief. Like, Chief, hey, buddy. Simpson, eh? New, New man? <laughs> I was, I was, I was driving somewhere, and Siri told me to turn on, uh, like, drive three miles and turn on Simpson Boulevard, and I just automatically, before I even realized, I was saying Simpson, eh? New Avenue. <laughs> Like, now, I wasn't trying to be question, funny. I didn't have an audience. I just said. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say. Now, the real question is, were you alone in the car? No, Amanda was with me, but, you know, and she chuckled, like, politely. Uh-huh. I don't think she thought it was particularly funny. I just, I, you know, I just said <laughs> it. I would have said it by myself, too. <sighs> uh, bonus question. On a scale from zero to Barkley, how screwed up would the Mirror Universe Cisco Janeway offspring be? Oh. I don't know that, like, we talked That's about That's a Janeway. lot of layers I have to parse. We talk about Janeway being a good mom to her crew. I don't know if she'd actually be a good mom mom. I don't, I like, I can't tell. I feel like, I, th- yeah, I mean, she clearly, she missed that chance, I feel like. Not necessarily. This is the I mean, I, I guess, like, I mean, She's fucking in the in books, Picard's had a fucking baby, like. Even, even now, like, even, mm-hmm. like, in, in modern times, someone uh, Janeway's age could, could have a baby. Like, it's, it's a slight health risk at that age, but I'm pretty sure you still can. Mm-hmm. And in the future, I'm sure it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Robert Picard had a had a had a small child. Like, yeah, and and he was old as the hills. Yeah, literally. Like, yeah. Well, as the vines. Yes. Yes. No, I think I. Robert. Plus, they they could probably (laughs) do. I don't know why you think that's funny. It's sad. It just is. Okay. He was so young. He's sad. I know. Someone burned to death, Matt. It's sad. <laughs> oh, you're the worst. Oh, that child got set on fire. <laughs> uh, two. Watching Voyager in some ways felt like a prototype for Battlestar Galactic. Oh, we talked about this. Yeah. Uh, I found myself saying the same things you guys have mentioned, not keeping track of photon torpedoes, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, he's basically asking how we feel a, a Battlestar Galactica type show could keep the optimism of Star Trek, and we've talked about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and the answer it's, to me it's is... Just, it, the, the, it's more the philosophies, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, the, the central conflict of the show would be trying to remain optimistic in the face of all that horribleness. Yeah. Like also, no uh, you don't flush a dude out the airlock every five episodes. Yeah. Which was, uh, by the end, it was President Roslin's uh, 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 reaction to everything. That that actor showed up in uh, the, the new season of Fargo, and it took me a minute to realize who she was. Oh, oh nice. She's so fucking good. Yeah, she is. She, she doesn't do a lot. Like, yeah, is a is a pretty quick thing. How do I know her? Oh yeah, no. And by the end of that show, I'm like, the best thing about this fucking show is Bill and Laura. Yeah, we like those parents. We like when yeah. the leaders are like parents, and they were really like space mom and space dad, just mm-hmm. like just like what we've liked about. I mean, even Picard, but also Cisco and Janeway. Like we like yeah. when the 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 person in charge feels like the parent. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know what that says about us. I need to watch Battlestar again. I gotta dig up my DVDs. I don't think it's on Netflix. I, I I will watch some of it again, maybe, but not all of it. It's 
skip a good chunk of it. Definitely the end. Like that was my favorite show for like the like the years that was on the air. I fucking love Battlestar. I did until I didn't. But yeah, yeah, the first that, that last season was rough. I, the thing is, I thought there was a middle season. I thought was rough where it just ran in place and they did a bunch of courtroom stuff. Uh, that that that, 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 that I think that was season five. No, it wasn't the last season. I know that. Okay. And then, because it got good again. Yeah. Toward the end, and then the very end was terrible. Yeah. Where it was God all along, or whatever. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean, like that show had a lot of religion stuff in it. No, no, no. That's fine. But this, when, when you, the thing is, there's, there's a type of show that presents itself as a mystery. Like Mm -hmm. there are questions, and there are answers to those questions. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to make a show like that, the people who make it should know what those answers are before the show, like before you get there. Yeah, and the thing was, it always felt like they did until yeah. it, it it turned out they didn't. When they pulled out the Starbucks is an angel thing, like just yeah, that was it. rough, what? man. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's yeah. There's different kinds of shows. It's like uh, there's a quest show where the whole goal is to achieve, you know, a goal. Like uh-huh. like the Fugitive is a classic quest show where the goal is for him to find who killed his wife and clear his name. Mm-hmm. And, you want them to achieve that goal by the end, or it's it sucks, or, or yeah. not necessarily achieve, but satis- like have a there satisfying needs to be a, failure. There needs to be a definitive ending to that goal, yeah. one way or another. And and in this case, it's it's more of a uh, more of a mystery show. You want a satisfying answer to the mystery, and there was yeah. not a satisfying answer to the mystery. Yeah, no. That's how a lot of people felt about Lost. I, I personally did not, but a lot of people did. I've still only seen one episode of Lost. At this point, I'm probably never going to see it. That's too bad. It's a good show, mostly. Mm, that's what I hear. More of that is good than Battlestar, I think. Mm. But uh, I know Kate climbs trees uh, and ruins everything. And ruins everything. There's a lot of good people in that show, though. A lot of yeah. good people. There's a couple of shitty characters, but mostly good ones. Uh, let's see. Jason, our old pal Jason, says, "Hey, Jason, who was the most damaging for Star Trek? Brandon Braga, Rick Berman, or Cisco's little shovel?" <laughs> well, the shovel clearly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, 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 it's Berman. Yeah, absolutely. Like if there's one thing I like, you know, well, the rally, the rallying cry, the rallying cry for the first year or two of Pa was, uh, fuck you, Gene. And the yeah. rallying cry for the subsequent five years of Pa has been, fuck you, Rick Berman. It was, it was Brandon Braga for a while back before we, before we know, knew better back in, in late TNG when he came on. And well, whenever I watch a bad episode and the writing credit would come up, I would associate yeah, exactly. like this is bad because of that guy. But there's yeah, more. Exactly. There's more factors than that. But I mean, the I mean, the main problem with Braga is that like he has a fondness for certain tropes that we do not care for. Yeah, and that don't work on Star Trek. I hope he, they're working better on his current show, Salem. He's good with characters, like mm-hmm. a lot of genuinely a lot of my favorite moments between two characters, just like. Let's take a five minute scene that's not really about very much and have these two characters just talking like he's really good at that. Yeah, he's really good at like a quiet Tom and Bellana moment or mm. uh, Data and Jordy waiting for the computer to crunch numbers and just having a weird little side like Seinfeld conversation yeah. or like he's great at that kind of thing. But, I feel he pairs like he like he pairs best with Ron Moore. Like, well, yeah, because Ron Moore's good, good with, the two the, of them. with your big ideas, with your yeah. big, like because he never. He never tries to blow your mind. He's just like, yeah, it's a science fiction show, but that should drive the plot rather than the plot being reacting to the dumb sci-fi thing. Yeah. And whereas like, always tried to turn it into a mystery and a horror thing. Like he kept trying to make it the X-Files and let the X-Files yeah. be the X-Files. This is Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, whereas, uh, uh, Rick Berman, uh, is actively a terrible person. Well, he, he's in charge of the ship. He's the one steering everything in whatever direction. And he yeah, like made, at the, at the end of the day, this is all up to him. Yeah. And he made a lot of the big picture decisions that we don't like. Like, you know, he's the guy who was putting like, you know, put the, put the sexy woman in the hot, in the hot, uh, yeah. uh, uniform. Uh, let me sexually harass. Well, Apparently, that's a. Every woman on the show. To be clear, they're two separate things. Like, he's bad for Star Trek. He's also a bad person. Those yeah. Are, those are two separate issues. They're connected. Uh-huh. But the question was, who's worse for Star Trek? Like, I'm he's afraid also of, a terrible person. Yeah. I'm afraid of gay people, so let's not put any of them on the show. I don't know that. I like, still they wanted, wanted to put gay people, gay people on. He was just afraid that the network would yell at him. I mean, like. You can relate to that. Yeah. I I just all I know is that we could have had gay like at least a mention of gay people as far back as no. TNG. Yeah. No, I agree. I think he was a coward, is it? Like, yeah. For Star Trek having this reputation for being so groundbreaking and and you know, progressive, uh he didn't do anything to make that live up to its reputation at all. Uh-huh. Like if you're in charge of Star Trek, you're you should be trying to push things forward. Exactly. You should be pushed like the limits of te- like what yeah. you sh- what you can what do. What you're allowed television. to do. And you should be fighting the network occasionally and saying, no, I'm taking a stand because this is a thing that needs to happen. This is like this is supposed to be a better future where every yeah. like everyone is em- embraced yeah. for whatever, you know, no. instead I, of just like, no, gay people are gross. I don't want them. I still don't think he said that. But, mm. you know, I think what he said was, well, we might lose some advertisers if we do that, so let's play it safe, guys. Yeah. Like, I don't think he had any... Spe- like, I've never heard any kind of actual homophobia from him. I think he mm. was just a coward. I don't I don't know that he hated the gays. I think he was just scared to talk about the gays. Which sure. is still bad. Absolutely yeah. bad. Just not as bad. Yeah. So, no, I'll, I'll take... Uh, I'll, I'll take fuck Rick Berman over fuck Brandon Braga any day. Yeah, but fuck that shovel, too. But not... Sho- fuck that shovel most of all. Really? Most of all? More than Berman? Mmm... Well, the shovel never put anyone in a sexy outfit to leer at them. Right. So, all right. Rick, Rick Berman by a nose. Yeah. Uh, one final question. Lousy shovel. <laughs> one final question from your wife. Oh. Hi, guys. I was wondering if you would talk a little about why you chose Star Trek as the subject of the podcast. Now that you finished Voyager and are heading in Enterprise, do you still feel the same way about why you got started? Um... Well, that sort of dates back to back when Sarcastic Voyage was a very different show than, mm-hmm. I mean, sort of what it is and what it became. Yeah. Um, which was it, the, we, it was we just did a the conversational guys, show. Yeah, we did the two guys talking about whatever yeah. strike their fancy every week. No, we did that and, for like over 100 episodes and then we started I, evolving into to more prepared stuff is all. Yeah. Um, where we just realized we talked about Star Trek a lot that and... Was- that was part of it for me, like, when I initially came to you with the idea, it was a very, is a little cynical, I gotta mm. say, it was, it was calculated, it was the thing that I do that gets the most attention, at least at that point, was dumb reviews of Transformers, and I realized yep. there's, there's a reason for that, it's because I'm passionate about it, I have fond memories of it, but at the same time, I'm not afraid to mock it. Yeah. And I thought, if I could find something else like that, that seems to be the formula, that seems to be what people like. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Matt has the same passion that I do for Star Trek and also the same uh, no reservation about making dumb jokes about it. Like, it's not so sacred that you don't want to make a joke about it. So that was the thing. We love Star Trek, but we're also like 
It ain't perfect. You you just mocked a character for being sad that someone caught on fire. Like, you clearly... <laughs> ah, still funny. Yeah, apparently so. Renee! And he's looking for his fucking uh, uh, Lisa Frank sticker album that he's got his photos in. <laughs> but see, that's that's my point, is there's a sweet spot between we're passionate fans who... who will spend a large amount of time trying to decide what's in the alpha quadrant and what's in the beta quadrant. Yeah. And then also laughing at any dumb thing we decide to laugh at. Like, yep. there's not a lot of things I feel that strongly about in both directions. And so... Mm-hmm. Or certainly not not enough that we, the two of us, feel strongly about that we can talk about for 300 and God knows how many episodes. Yeah, seven years and going. Yeah. We, we uh-huh. went through 80% of Star Trek. And I don't regret it. Like, I wish... I wish Star Trek, like, it's not even that I mind that the like the percentage of bad episodes and good episodes is what it is. I just wish it wasn't all the bad stuff at the end. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been saying all along. If, if Discovery's bad, that means the last half of this podcast is us complaining. Yeah. Whereas all the good stuff happened at the beginning. That's no good. Like, Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, one if of it things was all that... distributed around, that would be better. Yeah. Like, we talked about this going in, and, like, one of the things I love about this show is fucking proving ourselves wrong like we went into this we went into this going like okay so we'll fucking do original series and then we'll get on to tng which is the good stuff yeah let's let's slog through these first three seasons and then and then it gets good and no we liked that a lot no fucking original series trek is good like not and even when it's bad it's still pretty good i you know it's not for everyone i totally get some people not wanting to start until like I don't really mm. get people seeing it the way we used to see it. It's just, yeah. I, I can forgive it being older and I can forgive some of the, like the clunkiness of old TV because there's a lot of great stuff in there. Yeah. Like it might, it might just be because it was now six or seven years ago, but like, I never, like there are very few boring episodes of original Trek, even if they're terrible, they're fucking yeah. stupid. There were definitely some. They, they didn't, they didn't fall in. They didn't have enough time to fall into the same ruts. Yeah. That next, like late next gen and Voyager did. Like they, they didn't have seven years to run out of ideas. They never ran out of ideas. I would say. Yeah. But going back, because I just I, I looked through our episode guide not too long ago. There were definitely episodes we thought were boring. Mm, all right. Like not as many, certainly, but definitely some. <laughs> Having just overcome Voyager, like I, I, bu- I buy looking back on original series with rose-colored glasses. No, no, that's totally fine, and that's 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 valid. But th- just don't forget the apple existed, Matt. That's all I'm saying. Oh no, that's the thing. The apple is fucking terrible. But at least, it, but like it had like fucking oompa loompas and a giant snake head, like with one tooth. Ah, that's still with one me. fucking with one fucking tooth. Like that's fucking. It's bad, but that's yeah. fucking funny. Well, also, we also did the Doomsday Machine that same week. Yeah, no, and the Doomsday Machine is my absolute favorite episode, maybe of all of Star Trek. That that will that will always maybe be the ultimate week of the very best and the very worst of Star Trek all at once. Yeah. And the Doomsday Machine's in my, like, top ten. It's not my all-time favorite, but it's way the fuck up there. Yeah. And just, yeah, here's here's one of the worst ones and one of the best ones. Uh, yep. Uh, hmm. Okay. Thank, thank you. Never know what to expect with this show. And again, if the whole series, if the whole, all the series had broken down that way, if, if we didn't know what we were getting week to week, that'd be better. And Voyager mm. was like that from time to time where sometimes it was great and sometimes it wasn't, but mostly it just kind of got lazy and boring. Yeah. And I feel like Enterprise is going to be that too. I hope it isn't. I really hope yeah. it isn't. And 
like you said, like I've said, I love to be proven wrong. I would love to say, you know what? I watched this show 15 years ago and, and I watched it all wrong. And with the context of all of all Star Trek behind mm. me now, this is actually pretty good. I would love to be able to say that. I hope so. I'm prepared to say that. But I yeah, think I'm, I want like that's what I want. Yeah, I want I that want at Enterprise. To suck. I don't know. I, I don't want to like it, it's fun to hook up with you once a week and make jokes no matter what. But mm. I don't I, that apart from that, I don't want this to feel like a chore. Yeah. Right now it feels like or it has felt like I have to do an hour and a half. Well, to, let's say two hours, an hour and a half of watching and half an hour of, of notes and prep. Yeah. Of of chore for the hour of pleasant conversation with you. Like mm-hmm. that's that's not a good ratio. I would like yeah. the first part to be a little enjoyable as well, you know? Mm. So that's all. We'll see. Um, yeah. And speaking of Enterprise, this is the last thing we have. We're going to take you out on this. Uh, you don't have anything else you wanted to mention before we do this. No, no, that's that's okay. it. We're, we're past the two-hour mark here. We need to, yeah. we need to get things moving. Um, is another song uh, from our pal Richard, who has done some amazing songs for us in the past. Uh, he did the uh, Greasy Neelix uh, the, the Keiko <laughs> O'Brien, Miles O'Brien's Terrible, Horrible Wife. Like he's, he's done a yep. lot of great songs for us. Grappler Zorn. Uh, and, and this one is uh, making fun of the Enterprise theme. And uh, this is this is the last thing we'll play for you here. So uh, enjoy this and, and links to this and all the other stuff we've talked about. And also the song that Brian did for us uh, will be in the show notes at postatomicorder.com. Uh, if you want to write to us, uh, bear in mind, if you write to us about Voyager at this point, we're not going to remember. Yeah, I'm hitting the big purge button and I, some things might ring a bell, but I'm probably not going to remember. Mm. Um, but uh, you're, you're welcome to write to us post on at Gmail. Uh, we, we always enjoy hearing from you. Yeah. Uh, like, comment and subscribe on iTunes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, and there is also uh, Richard's friend D made uh, cover art for to go with this song. Oh, nice. This is actually, you've seen this, Matt. It's the me and you standing in front of the giant wave coming for us. Oh, fuck yeah, that's great. Which I had I had requested that uh, D take out the title uh, just because I like the image on its own. Uh-huh. Uh, but also, it's it's it exists in this form as cover art for the song. So, uh, yeah. Look forward to that. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's all. Like I say, the next, next thing you're going to hear is this song. And uh, next week, we'll begin Enterprise. Yeah, so... See you then. Uh, see ya, folks. It's been a long time Since I like to watch the show It's been a long time And there's a little bit left to go And now I'm ready to work I'm ready to toil, ready for a Vulcan rub with oil. But I've got pain in my heart. You know they're gonna trek explain everything. There's a stain on my soul. And I still don't have discovery. Life is unfair. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this.